Good evening, everybody. Sorry for the longer-than-usual delay tonight. Uh, I think so. I was away all weekend this weekend in Kansas City for Middlemoot, which was great, great fun. Um, <clears throat> but I think that like my kids saved up like all their crises from the entire weekend to pack into today from between this afternoon and this evening. Uh, I was kind of running around doing stuff with kids until like. 928 they're like okay go run to class and i'm like all right i'm completely ready for class now anyhow and and it had nothing at all to do with the baseball game i know that i am being is scandalously reported on discord that i'm late uh because the red Sox and yankees are playing an elimination playoff game and that's absolutely not true um it's not that I wasn't listening to the game. All right, you know, I had the game on in the background while I was managing crises. I totally did. However, uh, it wasn't that that delayed me. <laughs> Anyhow, thank you all for your patience as always. Uh, so uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to getting back with you. As I say, Middle Moot was really fun. As you can see, I'm wearing my Tolkien Society of Kansas City shirt here today to uh, represent. Uh, the Tolkien Society of Kansas City were wonderful hosts. They were the ones who uh, uh, who hosted our, our Moot. Um, you know, we we uh, we organized it in partnership with them. That was really they were really really wonderful. Uh, great group. If you're anywhere around Kansas City, look up the Tolkien Society of Kansas City. Uh, really, just an exemplary local. Uh, sort of chapter of uh, uh, you know a, a Tolkien fan group who not only you know like talks about Tolkien and and uh, you know has some uh, some really uh, some really interesting and knowledgeable people who you know love to get together and talk about Tolkien, uh, but they also do stuff like they do really cool stuff. Uh, Robbie uh, Park, who is the president of the chapter, really believes in actually putting into practice the principles that you know Tolkien writes about in his books so they go they do stuff they go out and they they clean up parks and they plant trees and they you know uh, 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 you know uh, help volunteer to for childhood literacy programs and they do all kinds of things they're really uh, they're really awesome so um, anyway uh, I, so I had, I had a wonderful time in Kansas City uh, and uh, having discovered now, having tried for myself Kansas City barbecue, I have to admit it's going to be hard uh, to go back. But anyway, um, so um, uh, so that's uh, that's that's been uh, uh, that, that this past weekend again. Awesome time at Middle Moot. Thanks to everybody who could come. Um, and definitely want to remind people. I want to put in a special plug. We have now two and a half weeks to LA Moot. Um, LA Moot had a bit of a hiccup in our planning here just a little while ago, but we have a we have a new venue uh, now. Everything's all set, so we have so we're we're moving ahead with LA Moot. Uh, and uh, I just want to encourage you if you're anywhere in the Southern California area. Um, Definitely look it up if you were registered or if you were thinking about going before. Do check the the the, the page, either the event page on signumuniversity.org or uh, the uh, lamoot.org uh, web webpage, um, and check out the new address. It's uh, uh, out near um, near LAX. Um, but um, anyhow, so uh, so really cool. Really cool stuff uh, get, we're going to be doing at uh, LA Moot, and and uh, you know, and, and the people who are running it have uh, really big plans. They'd love to see it grow into uh, into something really special down the road, uh, and uh, we'll be talking about that. You know, so you can come and you can be involved in helping us kind of direct where where we want the Southern California Moot to go, and, and and the directions we want it to grow in. It's gonna be it's gonna be pretty cool. Um, 
So anyhow, uh, definitely uh, encourage that. And of course, Magnolia Moot uh, down in the southeast. So we got in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we have uh, Magnolia Moot happening just two weeks after that. So on the 10th of November. So we got the 27th of October for LA Moot and then the 10th of November for Magnolia Moot. Uh, so those two are coming up really fast. So if you're if you're anywhere near LA or Charlotte, please do uh, please do come. You will uh, you'll you'll be glad that you did. Uh, these have been uh, such rewarding experiences. So I'm, uh, uh, I'm really, I'm really glad. <laughs> Oakwig says I'm trying to time it so we can all catch a, a Sox versus Dodgers World Series game. You know, Oakwig, I hadn't thought of that, but of course, now that you mention it, it seems like a real possibility, doesn't it? Um, but anyway, yeah. So North Carolina. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, if you're anywhere, you know, North Carolina, Atlanta, you know, uh, Charlotte, Atlanta, uh, you know, cause that area and you can get to Charlotte, you totally should. It's going to be great. And again, anywhere near, uh, LA there, uh, Southern California, uh, LA moot is going to be, is going to be wonderful. So in addition, speaking of things that are wonderful, um, uh, we are, uh, of course, continuing. This is the final week of our fundraising campaign, uh, which has been just awesome. You guys have been so generous, as always. Um, we have raised already $48,000. We're at $48,000 for the uh, for the campaign as a whole so far. Uh, so we're, we're really getting uh, into, uh, uh, into shooting range now of our goal for the annual fund, uh, what we need for our budget. Uh, and then, of course, we have our stretch goal beyond that, um, what we need to come complete the accreditation process so that we can we can have everything that we need uh, uh, for that already laid out for us. That's going to be that would be absolutely awesome. That's another another 20,000 that we need for that. Um, we don't need all of it instantly, but uh, but we're going to need it all in the next year or so, basically. So we'll 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 sort that out. But anyway, it's super exciting. We're doing really well. We're already more than three quarters of the way to our um, uh, to our primary uh, um uh, to our primary uh, uh, goal, our, our primary budget goal. Um, I don't think we've ever been this close this early before. Uh, so I'm really, uh, I'm really, I'm really uh, happy about that. But we're to, this week is our third and final fundraising campaign class. Um, and so a couple things that I wanted to emphasize there. Thing number one that I wanted to emphasize is I wanted to emphasize our webathon, our campaign ending webathon, which is now a, I think is going to be our sixth annual uh, uh, campaign webathon. Uh, campaign ending webathon, uh, and that's going to be happening this coming Saturday, October thirteenth, starting at noon Eastern time and going until midnight or so. Um, uh, and there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be happening in it. Um, it will contain such diverse elements as um, we're, we're going to. I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to do a Lotro run. That's going to be at the end. Uh, I'm going to take Wigan through the epic battle at Pilar Gear, and then see if I can get him any further than that. So we'll see if we can get any further than Pilar Gear. But no promises. We're going to at least do Pilar Gear uh, in uh, in the in the the the, the Lotro section, which I'm which will be at the end, so that it can be a little bit more open ended than the other segments um and uh, in addition we're going to uh, uh we're gonna have a bunch of other uh teaching sessions i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a, a, a tolkien session i'm gonna do a session on 
uh, Doctor Who. I haven't done a Doctor Who session in a couple years. And so, you know, like one of the things that you can kind of see when you go back and you look at the webathons in previous years, it's like, what's Corey been watching or reading recently? <laughs> right. Last year, for instance, you'll remember we did that Star Trek episode, right, where I was looking at a couple different episodes uh, uh, from, uh, uh, from 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 Star Trek, um, which was really fun because I was just kind of finishing up or had just finished up uh, my uh, my longitudinal Star Trek uh, catching up uh, last year year. Well, now the project I'm currently doing is I'm going back and watching classic Doctor Who, which I've never watched before at all. Uh, and I've gotten up through, I'm in season seven now. So I'm in, I'm in the third doctor right now. Um, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to be joined, uh, by, uh, by one of the resident Doctor Who experts, uh, at Signum University, uh, Kat Sass, one of our alumni, uh, and she and I are going to be talking about, uh, are going to be talking about Doctor Who. Well, Aslan's Compass, I don't think we're gonna we're gonna unlike last year i'm not gonna just choose particular um episodes i thought about that but i think what i'm gonna do with the classic who uh session is i really want to just do kind of some well not just comparison we'll do a little bit of comparison between new who and old who but the real the thing that i'm myself most interested in what i've been just fascinated by as i've been watching as much as there is available of the first seven seasons um i've just been kind of going through everything that they have on britbox basically um uh, is, uh, is, is to see sort of how the story develops, right? There's so much, you go to season one and it's like, wow, uh, so many of the, you know, that what seemed to me like the cornerstones of the, of the Doctor Who story, right? You know, uh, were, I, I would not have guessed correctly which elements were there from the beginning and which ones kind of came in later on. So uh, kind of looking at the early evolution of the dark, what are the roots of the story? How does the, the sort of the fundamental kind of mythology of the doctor um, really uh, sort of grow and take shape uh, as it develops? So I think it's it's um, a really... Uh, I, I did. It's that's kind of I think what I'm going to be focusing on. We'll probably be doing some comparing and contrasting as well. You know, we'll kind of use some of the new Who stuff I think as a kind of a touchstone. But um, anyway, so that's um, that's my, that's uh, that's one session. So we're going to do uh, we're going to do a Lotro session. I'm going to do a Doctor uh, Doctor Who session. I'm going to do a uh, I'm going to I'm going to do a Tolkien session. We're also going to have other sessions. Um, so like I, I, another really cool and that's going to happen. We're going to do a language session. Uh, so we're going to have one of our language uh, uh, professors from uh, from the Signum graduate program is going to come and join us and is going to do a one shot introduction. We're, we're, we're going to do a fun little Old Norse workshop. Uh, so he's going to walk us through translating a passage from uh, from one of the Eddas. Um, the uh the 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 sort of Fafnir uh uh passage where Fafnir's talking uh the, the sort of the a talking dragon passage which is uh clearly uh inspirational for the conversations with Smaug right so we're going to look at that and uh again just kind of if you've never seen old Norse before and you're interested in just kind of seeing what it's like and getting kind of an introduction to uh what it's like to translate it this will be you know it's 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 for everybody you don't have to have any old Norse experience uh, it's just kind of a glimpse into what reading the, the originals of these works that that Tolkien loves so much um, is like. So that's gonna be that's gonna be really fun. So anyway, so we're gonna so we're gonna do that too. And in addition, um, I'm gonna do my big State of the University address. So uh, which is gonna be in two different parts, really. Uh, one part I'm gonna be talking about Signum and what's going on. I'm gonna explain the whole like where we are with the credentialing, what the plans are, and everything else. Um, what's happening in our sort of major. Um, 
uh, our, our kind of major planning and stuff. And then we're also, well, I say, and then it's actually going to be earlier, but we are also going to uh, talk about the Mythgard Institute because this coming year is going to be a big year for the Mythgard Institute. We're actually growing and expanding in some really cool ways. Uh, and we're going to be talking about what that is and what that looks like. So you can hear about some big plans ahead uh, for the Mythgard Institute. So that's... Um, that's all these things and more, plus trivia with prizes and giveaways and, uh, you know, more awesome things are going to be happening. And there's going to be a talk, uh, discussion and talk with Serena Higgins. And there's going to be it's going to be great. I mean, it's going to be amazing all day long. Um, so Mad Violinist, all of this will be put on um, all of this will be put on YouTube. Definitely. Um, and some of these things will also make it onto the podcast feed as well. Um, not hundred percent sure which ones are going to be, and we will, we will certainly be streaming it all live on Twitch as well. So, uh, so we'll definitely be there. Um, yeah, cool. All right. So that is, that's, that's just what's coming. So as I said, there were two things that I wanted to, to emphasize uh, since it's our last week of fundraising. One is the webathon that's coming up. And remember, all the fun all kicks off at, at, at about noon Eastern time. The second thing is I want to do giveaways again tonight like we've been doing. Um, so once again, I'm going to do two drawings uh, today in class. One drawing of everybody who's attending at the end of the book discussion in the beginning of our field trip. And then the second one of everybody who, who has donated during class tonight. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do a drawing there and we'll give away as I did last week, your choice of either, uh, one of our sort of Mythgard featured books that we're, uh, uh, that we're giving away here. One of these five books, uh, that I've been talking about, uh, in the previous weeks, again, uh, my Hobbit book, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer slash Philosopher's Stone, Unfinished Tales, Sauron Defeated, or Frank Herbert's Dune. You can choose one of those five books with the custom book plate signed by me, or you can get two tickets to the moot of your choice. And by the way, that is another reason to attend, um, the uh, uh, the state of the university because I'm going to be giving some very exciting updates about upcoming moots uh, because we have some more news for you about uh, when uh, about uh, uh, moots that are going to be coming up including a couple moots outside of America uh, so anyway more on that on Saturday uh, it's going to be super exciting so anyway um, yeah it's going to be um, uh, that's going to be, that, there's going to be great, uh, great stuff. And oh yeah, way, uh, lots of giveaways and stuff on Saturday too. But anyway, okay. So two giveaways tonight, again, pair of tickets to the moot of your choice or, um, uh, or a, uh, to the, to the, to the regional moot of your choice or, uh, a, a the, the, the book. All right. Okay. So that's, what's going to happen now. Let us get back to the text. Well, okay. Before we advance on the text, there's a couple things to say apparently still about, uh, that I, I think, I think that there is, um, um, I think that there are some people who are not wholly convinced by our recreation. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I can't even imagine why that would be, um, because it was pretty definitive, I think. Um, now, note, keep in mind, by the way, one here's one question that I've already gotten and that I, you know, we talked about actually at the time uh, when we were rehearsing and stuff for our reenactment. Um, 
you know, one of the questions was, okay, so, uh, you know, sort of like sheepishly, someone was like, is it possible that Tolkien just made a mistake, <laughs> you know, and that's why we're having such a hard time with the shadow rushing past Sam and stuff you know, that actually just doesn't work. Now, my answer to that is, yeah, sure, it's possible, right? Absolutely, it's possible. Um, but here's why that's not my answer. That's not my answer, not because I consider that answer impossible, but because I consider that answer uninteresting, right? I mean, if you say, if you're like, I just think he screwed up then we're pretty much done, right? There's nothing more to talk about. And that's kind of not how the game works, right? The game works by saying, okay, let's first, at least, we might perhaps be forced back on that conclusion, right? That it just like, we can't, we, we can't make it work, right? You know, the, the text as it stands is just contradictory and, uh, and won't work. And if it just won't work, then, you know, we have to, you know, we have to just conclude that he made a mistake and, you know, just kind of... Uh, uh, you know, acknowledge that and move on. Right. Um, but I, I am not a fan of that reading again, mostly because again, like, it's just like, well, there's the end of fun. Right. Okay. So let's, let's not do that. At least let's, let's not start with that. Um, I do now, by the way, I do think it's quite possible. Right. I absolutely think it's possible, especially when uh, when you sort of look at things and you, you realize that first scene, like the, the, the end of chapter 11, the actual attack of the Nazgul on the Dell was written in one shot. I mean, it was all, like it came out the very first time he drafted it very early on. It came out in almost its final form. He, he revised it very, very little after that. Whereas the stuff that happens in the beginning of chapter 12, which is where the shadow rushed by Sam, right? That uh, line, which was giving us so much trouble, that uh, um, that uh, w was was revised and 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 added later. You know, there were definitely changes that were made um, that were made for that. So there's um, uh, okay. So as I say, is a mistake possible? Yes, I think a mistake is possible, but. The thing that I was excited about, and honestly, I will, okay, I'll be completely honest with you. Um, uh, I was, one of the goals of my wanting to do a reenactment in the first place was to kind of make sure to see if there was. I mean, I, I was kind of going into it thinking, all right, I think maybe Tolkien messed up is possibly like, you know the most likely explanation of this passage. Um, uh, but I wanted to check. I wanted to make sure I wanted to, you know, see, I, I, cause again, I'm like, I'm only going to go there if it really doesn't work. Like if it's, if it's impossible, I want to show that it's impossible. And if I, if we can show that it's not possible, then, um, then, you know, we'll just throw up, you know, go there, throw up our hands and move on. Right. Um, but of course I did not think that it was impossible. So that is the first, um, uh, that is the first, uh, uh, answer, you know, to that question. You know, do I think it's just a mistake? Possibly. But again, where's the fun in that? Um, the second thing is, um, so there, uh, uh, Anakin, and I didn't, I wasn't able to, I didn't have time to compress it. It was a super long comment and I, I didn't have time to compress it into a slide. Uh, but Anakin was, uh, challenging uh my reading the heart of of Anakin's reading was that basically um the witch king seemed to be sort of in control and and he or she I'm not sure the 
uh, uh, gender identity of the person who made that post. Um, but anyway, it was um, uh, he or she was uh, was was the core of the of the argument appeared to be that the witch king was kind of in control and that the result of it was what was going was like the plan anyway. Um, and I disagree with that pretty strongly. Um, and here's the primary reason I disagree with that pretty strongly. So uh, Anakin sort of cited a comment that I made, but 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 a little bit out of context. I wanted to clarify that a little bit. Um, uh, cited me as saying that the Witch King's plan had not been to stab Frodo. Um, uh, and so, you know, when it, you know, the Witch King ended up just stabbing Frodo in the shoulder or in the back of the shoulder, as we were showing in our forensic breakdown, um, it's, it's, um, you know, that that's kind of a, a fail on the part of the Witch King. Um, I still hold to that. the The thing that I would the thing that I would say, uh, you know, so what I was trying to say is merely wounding Frodo was not the plan, right? Um, and this honestly is a is a is a pretty, I think, a serious problem. Indeed, one of the things that our reenactment has done for me, which I've been really excited about and our whole discussion of the last few weeks and, you know, culminating in the reenactment. Um, I've been really excited about this. This is why I've been delighted to spend so much time on it because this passage has always been one of the passages that I've had the hardest time explaining. Uh, if someone asked me, and in fact, someone did ask me this, uh, like six months ago, someone asked me, so tell me a part of Tolkien that you think doesn't work very well. Like, what do you think is just like, you know, a part of the Lord of the Rings that you just don't think is that good? And I'm like, wow, boy, that's a really hard question, right? And I stopped and I thought and I thought and I thought. And I'm like, I don't want to just give a cop-out answer to this. I'm like, I'm like okay, where, you know... Is there a part that I really struggle with, that I really have a problem with, that I just feel like it's it's not really successful? Um, and you know what my answer was? This, this passage, the attack on Weathertop, and the and and that's exactly the reason why is that uh, exactly it, essentially my reading had in times past, right before we did this discussion, had been much like Anakin's, that the Witch King was basically in the driver's seat of this whole thing, right? And apparently accomplished what he what he meant to do and then left, right? And then, you know, is kind of like lurking and is going to... Uh, and, and the only reason the Witch King's plan doesn't pan out is that Frodo endures more successfully than the Witch King had predicted, right? So... And honestly, I think that that reading is very unsatisfactory. Like, again, when that was my reading, I thought that the text was very unsatisfactory, right? And here's why I think it's unsatisfactory. I think, you know, the, the, objection, the objection that so many people have made before in conversations that I've had with them is like, why, why is the Witch King so incompetent, right? I mean, he was right there. The ring is right there. The ring bear is right there. And he just, why does he walk away, right? He's got them. Right. He's got them. Several. All the hobbits are on the ground. All four of the hobbits are on the ground and there's Strider with like a pair of pointed sticks. Right. So come on. Like, seriously, why does he run? You know, if, if his plan is to subdue Frodo to his will through that wound that he administered. Right. Like, why did just grab him and go or what? I mean, it's just like, no, we're going to back off and not like finish the job, which is right there to be finished. Um, 
it really doesn't seem satisfactory at all. It's hard to look at that as anything but a piece of fairly colossal incompetence on the part of the Nazgul. Um, our readings, uh, in our discussions together, uh, and the reading, and especially uh, after the reenactment, I feel completely differently about that reading. And the primary thing that has changed in my own mind is my own understanding of the position of the Ringwraith. Uh, the, the position of the Witch King, specifically the Ringwraiths in general, which I do not think that the Witch King is driving the bus. I mean, he's the one initiating things, right? But he is not um, the one in total control of the situation. He is not the one who is um, uh, who has the upper hand. If anything, the more you look at things, the more he begins to sound like the underdog. And the more, and you know, Dima, you were, I was talking about this at, um, I was, it was funny because I was talking about this with uh, the Middlemoot folks in the parking lot when we were rehearsing, because we rehearsed this in the parking lot of the bar because it was not room in the bar to do it. So we did it out in the, we, we took it outside. We took it outside and we, we had, we had sidewalk chalk too. So we like chalked, uh, we chalked the, the, uh, the, the, the edge of the dell and like where the fire was and stuff. And, uh, and we had prepared like this, our story for like if the police came by. Um, but, um, uh, anyway, so, um, <laughs> as we were discussing in the parking lot, um, the, uh, the, the, the thing that um, uh, the thing that they were, you know, the, the, they're sort of uh, pressing me on was like, well, you know, so okay, so like, why is it, why is it so difficult, right? Like, why, why are that, why is the witch king having such a hard time? Um, or no, they were they were pushing me because I was doing great inflation again, Dime. Uh, I, I kept, I was, I was like, you know, I'd really give the witch king like a B minus or maybe a B. And then Brandon was like, uh, you gave him a C plus in class, and I'm like, well, I know because like my sense of the degree of difficulty of what he was trying to do keeps keeps going up, right? Um, uh, so. Yeah, no, <laughs> Rinros. Yeah, I'm not saying that you uh, that you have to root for the Witch King if you're an underdog rooter. I I, I know, but but Rinros, you know what? I think it's my own. I I'm also an inveterate underdog rooter, um, almost all the time, uh, with only one exception. <laughs> like when the Red Sox win 108 games in regular season. But apart from that, I root for the underdogs on all occasions. And, um, uh, but I have to admit, like part of the reason why I keep inflating the Witch King's grade is indeed like that, like underdog, uh, impulse, right? That uh, underdog supporting impulse. And I never thought that my underdog supporting impulse would be rallied on, <laughs> on the part of the Witch King here. Um, but I think it's, I think it's, um, I, I I I think that it was really tough sledding for the Witch King, uh, and that for him to actually make it through and wound Frodo at all under the circumstances uh, was a big deal. So, a couple things that I would say, again, getting back to some of the specifics of Anakin's comment here. Um, first, why is it, you know, so he was asking, like, if, if, the, if it's just a purely spiritual attack and not a physical attack, why don't they just, like, surround the Dell and, like, do the purely the purely spiritual thing two answers to that number one um they uh like proximity matters 
I don't know why, but apparently, I mean, we, we get a bunch of independent evidence for that. When the ring wraiths are together, they are stronger. So that the Witch King would want to go into this battle, which is again a battle. This is not them coming in to beat on, uh, uh, you know, defenseless victims. This is a, this is a battle on their part. Um, that they would come in in like supporting each other, right? With the sort of the full force of all of their presence, whatever kind of, uh, amplification the presence of the others gives to the Witch King, which it it does. We're told that it does. Um, so however it is that that works, um, with all of it focused on him at the tip of the wedge, th- that fits, again, not like as a battle formation as if they need to protect his flanks against people jumping in from the side with pointy sticks. Again, that's neither what happens, nor do I think that is how we need to understand it. But it does seem to be about sort of concentrating their own like wills and their force and their presence, you know, forward on the witch king who is going to be the one who is attacking. Second, why don't they just stay outside? Why does he come forward and attack at all? Because plan A always is to stab him with the Morgul blade. We saw that as Matt was reminding us uh, uh, last week. We could see that in the. Um, we could see that in the attack on Crick Hollow, right? He has the knife in his hand in the attack on, on the, or rather, you know, the, 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 there's a Morgul blade involved, right? Uh, at Crick Hollow. So it's clear that that's the plan, right? That is the, the whole strategy. He, they do need to stab him with this blade, right? If they stab him with the blade, uh, then they will subdue him to their will, where, again, the clarification that I don't know if I ever got around to making, though I mentioned it before, the clarification I would make, I never said that their plan was not to stab him. Their plan is not to stab him only in the shoulder. That was a failure, right? That was a failure. Their plan was to stab him in the heart, right? Stab him, that transfix him with fear, right? So that he's frozen in place, stab him in the heart, right? Uh, and then he will he will die and he will immediately become wraithified, right? I mean, Frodo would have been an instant slave of theirs and they would have been able to take him away. He, they would have and, and nobody would have been able to do anything to stop him, right? Because it's not just that like they would have been able to drag him away with physical force. He would have permanently crossed over into the wraith world. I don't think that there was anything that even Aragorn could have done to stop them hauling Frodo with the ring away Um with them had they stabbed had he stabbed him in the heart uh in the first place right so um that was obviously plan the plan right frodo's resistance thwarted that plan and in particular the crying out which was not of frodo's volition of i elbereth gilthonia which i do see as we said before uh the blessing of elbereth uh, uh, or rather, the the blessing of Glorfindel, which is attended by the blessing of El- which invoked the blessing of Elbereth, right, um, is in fact not only the one of the primary things that that saved Frodo, because the Witch King could still conceivably had like stabbed him again, <laughs> right? I don't I don't necessarily know that the Morgul blade was a one shot item, right? Um, uh, I mean, presumably he could have stood there going stabity, stabity, right into Frodo's back as he was lying there on the ground. Um, had it not been for, did I, or did I say Gilder? Marion, sorry, I meant Gilder, if I didn't say Gilder. Uh, Elbereth and Gilder. Anyway, he could have you know, carried on stabbing him until he until he hit home had it not been for the crying out of uh, uh, Elbereth Gilthonia. And remember, there's a scream. For, uh, Sam hears a scream, which uh, is not Frodo. Um, it's fairly clear that that's the Witch King 
who's screaming, right? And screaming and retreating, right? Which you'll remember actually prefigures the like the flight of his spirit when he's killed on the Battle of Pelennor Field, right? Um, I mean, that's what what we're going to see when he's actually killed. Now he's not killed here, right? But this is a serious. He's this is a serious. Blow, spoiler alert, says JD. Sorry. Oh gosh, did I let that slip? Um, I apologize. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, yeah. And Wheelrider wants to know if the if Frodo putting on the ring intimidates the ring wraiths a bit. I don't think it intimidates them. It makes him vulnerable. It's what they wanted him to do. Remember the compulsion Frodo was under to put on the ring. Um, so he's in he's in their domain now, right? I, I think they're going to stab him, whether or not. Right. Um, but that uh, he was there. Now they can see him and remember their eyes pierce him and everything. He is now um, he is now he is now vulnerable. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, Cecilia, I know the tip of the blade is broken off, but I still think he'd probably have a go. <laughs> I mean, like I'm sad. I think uh, I think that uh, uh, you can I mean, you break the tip off a knife and you can still probably stab it into the back of a prone foe. Right. Who's lying on his face on the ground. I bet that could still happen. No, wait. Is that supine? No, supine is with your face up. Right. Prone is with your face down. Yeah, that's right. OK. Um, anyway, so. Um, uh, so, yeah, so that's. Um, uh, anyway, so so th- th- this is again. This is this. I I think this is much harder for the Witch King than people, and that he barely he barely did even did even one thing. Right, he got there. He did make contact with Frodo, so that sort of prevents it from being a complete loss. Right, like a sort of a complete disaster, um, uh, which it would have been had he not even wounded Frodo. Um, so at the very least, he can sort of reassure himself. The Witch King can that. If he now plays the long game, which was not the original plan, right? But if he now play, at least he can now play the long game and still hope that Frodo is going to succumb to the wound, and so all will not be lost from the bad guy's point of view. Um, does this make the Witch King cool? No, this doesn't make the Witch King cool nor awesome, Ian. But it does. Sorry, middle moot joke. Um, but uh, <laughs> but it. Uh, you know, Ian, I think it makes him a little cooler in my mind than before, right? He's scary, right? And he's really scary. I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like he's a wuss, right? Um, and like barely able to fight against hobbits. But I do. I do think it's important to understand that hobbits versus ringwraiths is not a totally one-sided affair. Right? It's not totally one-sided. We saw that in Crick Hollow. The hobbits of Buckland drive the ringwraiths off. The ringwraiths run from the hobbits of Buckland. And not just because, you know, they're somewhere else they'd rather be and they can't be bothered. Right? Um, uh, they run. Um, they are routed. So, anyway... Um, <laughs> Karina's wondering if if the whole using a damage blade to stab a fallen foe should play a part in the and now a hardcore reenactment <laughs> of the attack under Weathertop. Yeah, no, it's okay, Karina. We're we're not going to actually do it. Um, yeah, yeah, Zephan, I absolutely agree. Uh, the more he says, the more we break this down, the more apparent it becomes that this was the moment that Sauron was closest to victory. Matter of inches and timing, absolutely, it was this close. And and yet, 
further than it looks in some ways, right? Uh, and Zephan, that's exactly why I always found my older reading so hard to take, you know, because if if that's the story, you know, if 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 it was right there, if victory was in their grasp and the Witch King was just like, eh, I'll come back and collect him later. He'll be around, whatever, right? Yeah, I've wounded him. This is enough, right? Um, you know, I got to... I got I got I got stuff to do. I'll come back later. I mean, if that was the situation, then it's Zephan, it's exactly for that reason that I just can't like take that reading anymore, right? Because yes, Sauron's victory was that close. And if he's that close and has the power to seal the deal, right? Then, you know, I I I don't um I uh, I don't really think that I can't imagine like it's it would just be lame for him to stop uh, that way. But again, when you look at the text, that's not what we see um, now, Luke. Um, oh, shoot, Luke, I've already forgotten your comment. I can't. It's already scrolled past. Luke, can you post again what you just posted? I know I can, but I got to mess with it to see it again. Post again what you just posted and I will uh, uh, and I'll answer that question. Sorry, I got distracted by several other people's comments and then I forgot yours already. Uh, so, yeah. Post it again, and I'll uh, on on Twitter there, and I will uh, I'll, I'll answer it. Um, okay, cool. So let's see. Um, yeah, Wheel Rider the Nazgul are definitely a bit arrogant. The whole "let the little people blow" thing, uh, which sounds like rationalization, right? Like whatever, let them blow their little horns. Right, we're out of here. Um, yeah, yeah, you're out of there expeditiously. In fact. Um, yeah, good. Um, yeah, and Fourth Dauntless says this explains why Gandalf makes such a big deal about Frodo's absurd behavior in this moment. Um, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. When he, um, uh, when he, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks, Luke. Um, when, um, uh, when Gandalf makes a big deal about the fact that. Uh, about Frodo's putting on the ring, right? Like the wishes he held out. Yeah, exactly. Um, they got as close as they did. I mean, Gandalf's words suggest that whole thing would have gone differently had Frodo not put on the ring. Had Frodo been able to resist it, and I remember Frodo does a pretty good job, right? Like, but he he do, he makes the one really bad call first. He kind of makes up for it with the two second choices, right? After he puts on the ring, he then draws his sword and then lunges for the Witch King. And then Elbereth Gilthonio comes out of his mouth. Um, had he just made good choices from the start, though, had he not put on the ring, it seems likely the Witch King doesn't even get there. Um, so anyway. Uh, yeah, Tom, I agree. L let the little people blow can't really be the words of the Nazgul because there would be nobody to record them. Uh, that was unlikely to have been... Uh, gotten out of an uh, a Nazgul at a you know a subsequent interview, so um, I think it's I think it's pretty clear that they um, didn't actually necessarily say that. So which means it's projected onto them uh, by the hobbits, who therefore are characterizing them as kind of like being cocky while they're running away. Um, but Luke's question, which he reposted for me, was like, so again, why is it that they're... And we covered this a little bit before. Is it just that, like, the Shire is so good, in a sense? We talked about the sort of the community spirit, the rising of the whole community uh, against the Ringwraith. They're, they're joining together. Um, 
the the yes the overall just kind of positive genial happy spirit of the of the shire and of 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 the bucklanders in particular but in particular them banding together and rising as one with their torches and everything to um uh, to uh, uh, to converge on the Nazgul. That was something that was harder for them to face. The Nazgul are at a greater disadvantage in the Shire than anybody, even the wise, guessed, right? Um, so, yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, cool. Uh, so, that concludes what I wanted to say about the reenactment. Uh, and for those of you who... Uh, uh, took the over on uh, <laughs> how long we talk about it. I'm not sure if you won or not. And now for the field trip, says JJ. Not quite. It's not quite as bad as that. We can do a little bit of text. Let's move forward. Okay. So, remember Aragorn has come back. Remember, we're, remember, remember chapter 12? We were talking about chapter 12. Let's do that. Okay. When he heard what Frodo had to tell, he became full of concern. a strider, of course. He became full of concern and shook his head and sighed. Then he ordered Pippin and Mary to heat as much water as they could in their small kettles and to bathe the wound with it. Keep the fire going well and keep Frodo warm, he said. Then he got up and walked away and called Sam to him. I think I understand things better now, he said in a low voice. There seem only to have been five of the enemy. Why they were not all here, I don't know. But I don't think they expected to be resisted. They have drawn off for the time being, but not far, I fear. They will come again another night if we cannot escape. They are only waiting because they think that their purpose is almost accomplished and that the ring cannot fly much further. I fear, Sam, that they believe your master has a deadly wound that will subdue him to their will. We shall see. Sam choked with tears. Don't despair, said Strider. You must trust me now. Your Frodo is made of sterner stuff than I guessed, though Gandalf hinted that it might prove so. He is not slain, and I think he will resist the evil power of the wound longer than his enemies expect. I will do all I can to help and heal him, guard him well while I am away. He hurried off and disappeared again into the darkness. Okay, here's Strider vanishing into the darkness again, right? Um, Okay. Yeah, Karita, I agree. I think it's really fascinating how Aragorn takes Sam aside so the grown-ups can chat, right? Yeah, it very much has that feeling. And, you know, I don't... It's interesting here because I don't think that... Um, I don't think that... Nece- it's it's not that uh, he's dissing Merry and Pippin. I mean, I, I don't think we should read it like that, right? It's, it's not that um, he considers Sam way more competent. I think that he is doing this in large part because he knows that Sam is the... Remember, this is Sam, he's doing this to Sam. He's bringing, pulling Sam aside and talking to him like this when Sam was just standing over Frodo's body with his sword drawn, right, when Strider came back. Um, part of this is to reassure Sam, right, um, and to sort of win Sam's trust, I think. Like, he, he he doesn't just kind of direct it to the group. He doesn't brush off. Notice, how, remember how I emphasized in the previous passage, when he came back, Sam draws his sword, and he doesn't do anything. Or he doesn't back away. He's not like, easy, Sam, put the sword away. Um, and he does say, I'm not a black rider, nor in league with him. But he just immediately comes down and kneels down next to Frodo, right? Um, almost as if, like, daring Sam to stab him. Right. Like, look, I'm not going to defend myself against you, Um, which seems to be uh, 
sort of a good move, right? Um, but um, anyway, so so this seems to be his attempt to reassure Sam in part. Um, he wants Sam's permission again, Oakwig. That's a really good way to think. And remember, with Sam's permission, we will call that settled, is the line that Oakwig is recalling from the Prancing Pony. Um, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly the kind of thing. Um, Erokeb, that is a great point. I think this is a major factor as well. Note that although, of course, he has some reason to try to reassure Sam and to earn Sam, Sam's confidence, it's not like Sam is that much of a threat to Strider, personally. Right. It's not like I'd better win Sam over or else, you know, he might attack me. Uh, like even if he does, what's he going to do? Has Sam ever held a sword in his life before? Even though Tony uh, 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 Strider doesn't have a primary weapon, I'm sure he could manage to disarm Sam if Sam came for him. Right. Um, uh, again, I don't think that that's the point. But again, to get back to Erokeb's excellent point, um, Sam may be at the greatest risk of despair right now. So I do, I think, I do think that that don't despair is probably a very big part of the uh, of the point of why he is directing this at Sam. If he just announces it to the party, right? If he's just like, okay, guys, so here's the story with Frodo. And he, he, he knows how Sam's going to react, right? So he pulls Sam aside in order to reassure him, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Lilith is saying that he also sees Sam as more of a leader in the group. In a sense, that's true. In a sense, it's not. I mean, we've never seen Sam taking the lead, like, for instance, Mary was taking the lead in leading them through the old forest, right? Um, And Sam has never taken the lead in that way. He's never been in the front and been like, follow me, everybody. So in that sense, he's not. But here, when it comes to the well-being of Mr. Frodo, Sam's in charge. And I think Sam, or Strider knows that, right? So obviously the first question is what's going on with Mr. Fro- is Mr. Frodo going to be all right? And what are we going to do to, to help and protect Mr. Frodo? Those are obviously the first questions. Both Strider and Sam seem to agree about that. Right. And Strider knows when it comes to those questions, Sam's in charge, right? He's not going to, you know, he, he, he's not going to, Sam, I mean, is not going to disregard Marion Pippin. He's not going to, uh, 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 you know, kind of usurp any authority they might choose to have while Frodo is comatose in any kind of general way. But, you know, he's not going to let anybody if Marion Pippin tried to, you know, get in his way to prevent, you know, do something to get in the way of Sam helping Mr. Frodo here. And so that's not going to happen. Right. Sam's not going to have that. So in that sense, I do think that he's sort of the uh, uh, the leader here. Um, and Matt, I agree that, you know, Matt says Sam is the one who is readiest to spiritually defend against the Nazgul. And he's the one who stood against them moments ago and was ready to stand against them. Now I, I agree. Um, but, and Matt, I think, I think I'm thinking back to Arakab's comment from before, right? Um, that's why making sure he doesn't despair, I think is so important, uh, to Strider right here, uh, because Sam is, Remember what Strider is saying here. I expect them to attack again, right? They might not attack again tonight, but there's a bunch of knights between us and Rivendell, right? They're, they're probably going to try to attack again. Um, 
It is super important, therefore, that nobody despairs. And if Sam in particular gives in to despair, then Matt, I, I agree with you, Strider would know they'd be losing a major asset, right? And again, this kind of thinking only makes sense once we kind of parse the fact that the will and spirit of the hobbits genuinely matters, right? I mean, it really has an impact on whether or not um, the uh, the ringwraiths would be able to succeed in an attack. Um, they have shown that they can make it difficult. Strider admits that right here, right? Um, why they were not all here, I don't know, but I don't think they expected to be resisted. He he he, he recognizes we gave him a fight. Right. That was touch and go. Um, that was not easy for the Nazgul. And, and in the end, you know, they were driven off. Um, he thinks that it was harder than they, the Nazgul, expected, which I'm sure it was. Right. The Witch King was probably all kinds of confident going in. In fact, if you think back one other step, um, Aragorn doesn't know why they weren't all here. And keep in mind, remember, the hobbits don't even know how many of them there are. They don't know that they are the nine ringwraiths, right? We've, and our discussions have been taking all that uh, for granted from the start, right? But remember, Frodo and the hobbits still don't know. Frodo's not going to learn this until he gets to Rivendell. Um, So when, when Strider says why they were not all here, how many are there? You know, 25, you know, 87, right? We have no idea. Um, But of course... We do know, right, uh, since we've read this book before, um, that there are nine total. So why weren't they all there? Let's go back. Let's think backwards a little bit, right? We know, or we will find out before too long why that happened, right? Four have been chasing Gandalf. Four have been pursuing Gandalf. So if we go back that one step, um, what we what we realize is that... Um, what we realize is that Gandalf drew off four of them, but the Witch King, that, that didn't happen automatically or thoughtlessly, right? The Witch King has made a decision. The Witch King chose to divide his forces. Four of you go catch the wizard, right? Or at least drive him away. Don't let him join with the, the ringwraiths, right? That's a good move. Had Gandalf, uh, in fact, connected with Strider and the Hobbits, that's going to make them very, very much harder uh, for the Ringwraiths to attack, right? Um, we saw Gandalf beat off all nine of them um, by himself. Uh, we saw the five of them really struggle against Strider and the four hobbits. Um, put Gandalf with them, and it's going to it's going to be difficult uh, for them. So, keeping Gandalf away uh, from them, he succeeds in that, and that's a good move. But it's a costly move. Uh, and it's a move that also seems to suggest overconfidence on his part, because he it seems fairly clear that he thought that five would be plenty. Right. Oh, I'll keep the other four and we'll mop up, you know, uh, as long as those four can keep the wizards away. So by dividing us almost in half. Right. Then uh, uh, then, you know, we can uh, we can pretty much take care of this that seems to be the ring rate the you know the witch king's thinking there but he was wrong they didn't expect to be resisted they didn't know that they were going to need more than the strength of the five of them to be able to really overcome them and do what they what they wanted to do um yeah 
Oh, Tom, that is really funny, isn't it? Uh, so yeah, in the at the very beginning of the epic quest line of the of the game, so it's like the very first line of quests that you start doing when you start the game. There's a ranger friend of uh, Aragorn who is. Um, uh, uh, wounded by the uh, Ringwraith and ends up giving in to the Morgul wound and uh, is sort of brought over to the other side uh, and and wraithified. Um, and yeah, his name is Amdir, uh, which is which is which is very very clever. It's very funny. Amdir, of course, is the other word for hope. There are two words for hope uh, uh, in 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 the Elvish languages. One is Estel, which was Aragorn's name, and one is Amdir. Uh, so yeah, he's he is like the the sort of flip side of Aragorn uh, there. I, I, I really loved that. Uh, I, I think Tom, it might've been that actually, like when I started playing where I was like, okay, this is, uh, uh, this is going to be good. It was one of, that was really one of the things that drew me in there. Um, anyway. Um, okay. Belongsamon asks, do I think the Witch King knows who Strider really is? After Weathertop, um, good. Argent Crown was asking the same thing exactly. Um, do I think he knows? No, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't think that he has any reason to know. Um, uh, I mean, lots of people know the story of Baron and Luthien. You know, I mean. Uh, so, is there anything about that that betrays the fact that it's, um, you know, the heir of the long lost heir of Isildur? No, I, I can't imagine that there really is. Um, but, um, yeah. Uh, but he, he clearly takes him, takes it seriously, right? I mean, the, the Witch King seems to take Aragorn seriously, especially after the whole Tenuvial incident, right? Um, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's clear that there's something here, but again, there are lots of people who have power for good in the world, uh, that we're, we're going to meet another one on the road before too long, right? Um, so, um, uh, I think that, uh, we don't, but, but, but again, I don't see any, anything suggesting identification there. Right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Would Strider's ring show up on their radar screen? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if they can see it, Matt. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that they could actually, um, they're, they don't see, no, I mean, their horses can see, but they can't, I don't think their horses have been like briefed, right? To like identify the ring of bar here if they see it. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that even like if they saw his ring on his finger, I don't think they'd notice it. I don't think they see his hand. Um, I think that he's a vague shadowy shape to them. So yeah, no, I wouldn't think so. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Let's see. Uh, yeah, real rider. There is no evidence that there's anything sort of special um, or uh, magical about the ring of Bari here. It's just a, an heirloom. Um, I mean, it was made by the Noldor, uh, you know, with uh, gems either in Valinor or with gems brought from Valinor. So, you know, like, it can't be, it's maybe more than just a, you know, fancy piece of bling, but, but we're, I mean, we're certainly given no indication that it has any particular properties exactly. Um, and Oakwig, yeah, we're not going to skip, skip Glorfindel, unlike every other treatment of the story. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Uh, Tony, bringing us back to the uh, passage, which is excellent, Tony, says, is Aragorn guessing at the effects of the wound based on the Nazgul's actions, or is this based on some lore or experience with Morgul blades? I am guessing the latter. Um, The mere fact that they ran off Again, under the circumstance, I mean, he heard Frodo say, oh, Elbereth Gilthonio and would doubtless have noticed the timing. Um, I don't think that he again, this this is not. It's not a tactical retreat by them. They're running away Um, because, again, they like, why would they? It's if the if it's a tactical retreat, it's an incredibly dumb tactical retreat. So, yeah, no, I don't I don't I don't buy that at all. Um, But um Anyhow, so, okay. Uh, yeah, good. Um, he says they'll come again another night. They are only waiting because they think their purpose is almost accomplished, right? So they, like, the, the, the attack isn't urgent, right? Because they're unlikely to escape. They, the, the, again, the one thing that they can take the one success that they can take from the um, uh, from the um, the experience, right, uh, is that time is now on their side because he has been wounded with the blade, and normally that would work pretty quickly. Um, so Strider says, uh, "Your Frodo is made of sterner stuff than I had guessed." Um, though Gandalf hinted that it might prove so. Um, Interesting that Strider half confesses to not really believing Gandalf about the toughness of hobbits, which has admittedly really not been tested apart from Bilbo, whom, although Aragorn knows him, Aragorn only knows him in his later retirement stage, right? Strider, I don't think has ever been on adventures with Bilbo. Um, So, you know, he's heard stories and, and, you know, I'm sure knows the truth about Bilbo's adventures. So I'm sure it's not that he, like, doesn't respect Bilbo at all. Um, but as far as, you know, believing that hobbits in general are are actually really tough, that seems to be... Strider seems to have had his reservations about that. Um, because, yes, J.J., exactly, among... The wise Gandalf is the only one who ever really went in for Hobbit lore. That's absolutely that's absolutely true. Um, yeah, yeah, um, and good. Yes, Luke. Exactly. He does bring it up again uh, after Moria, after the uh, the the spearing incident with uh, uh, with with Frodo. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and and you're right, Luke. He in that passage, he's quoting himself in this line, like he is recalling this exact thing that he said uh, to 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 Sam. Absolutely. Um, uh, and yes, for thoughtless, you are absolutely right that given how the dwarves thought of Bilbo, Aragorn's skepticism has good company. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and Tony, I agree. I don't think that Aragorn, apart from Bilbo. Aragorn, there's a little reason to think that Aragorn has had much interaction with hobbits. The rangers have been protecting the Shire, but the Shire hobbits don't know that, right? They've been protecting from the shadows. Um, so there's very little reason to think that um, 
that he, Aragorn, has interacted with many hobbits other than the Bree hobbits, right? He's interacted with Nob and Bob, who's a hobbit, right? So uh, that's at least two that we know he's interacted with. But again, apart from the Bree hobbits, he's he's clearly not uh, interacted with them very much. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, You guys are asking about the wound. Let's uh, let's hang on a second. Let's look. Let's, let's keep going before the, uh, um, before the the we talk more about the wound. Um, I will do all I can to help and heal him, guard him well while I am away. Okay, um, let's uh, let's keep going. Frodo dozed though the pain of his wound was slowly growing, and a deadly chill was spreading from his shoulder to his arm and side. His friends watched over him, warming him and bathing his wound. The night passed slowly and wearily. Dawn was growing in the sky, and the dell was filling with gray light when Strider at last returned. "'Look!' he cried, and stooping, he lifted from the ground a black cloak that had lain there hidden by the darkness. A foot above the lower hem there was a slash.' This was the stroke of Frodo's sword, he said, the only hurt that it did to his enemy, I fear, for it is unharmed, but all blades perish that pierce that dreadful king. More deadly to him was the name of Elbereth. And more deadly to Frodo was this. He stooped again and lifted up a long, thin knife. There was a cold gleam in it. As Strider raised it, they saw that near its edge, near the end, its edge was notched and the point was broken off. But even as he held it up in the growing light, they gazed in astonishment, for the blade seemed to melt, and it vanished like a smoke in the air, leaving only the hilt in Strider's hand. Alas, he cried, it was this accursed knife that gave the wound. Few now have the skill in healing to match such evil weapons, but I will do what I can. Okay. All right. First thing. The wound. The pain of his wound was slowly growing, and a deadly chill was spreading from his shoulder to his arm and side. Um, again, thinking of our forensic reenactment here, uh, I, I will admit, every time I have read this book, I have always imagined that Frodo was stabbed like here. You know, that he was stabbed like, so he was going for the heart, but since Frodo was lunging forward, he missed, right? And so hit him like here. So when Frodo's wound is aching in the Return of the King, right, I'm always imagining Frodo being like, ooh, ah, you know, ah, right here, right? Um, and that's clearly wrong. Um, uh, because again, it's, it's, imp- it's in fact perfectly impossible that he could have been stabbed here because he was face down to the ground. And as we showed, the Witch King is coming in for the heart uh, and Frodo's down on the ground. He's either stabbing him. Um, uh, so it's not it's not in the like the the top of the chest here, like in the pectoral or near the collarbone, which is how I where I'd always imagined it. It's got to be either in the back, actually like back near the shoulder blade or something or even out in the side on the top of the shoulder, um, up, up here in like the, you know, the, the meat of the shoulder, like the ball of the shoulder, basically. And it makes sense if it's up here, like out back behind the shoulder blade, um, uh, you know, up here near the top edge, notice that it could still burrow. It has a direct shot. This, I think probably would make most sense, right? If it were up here. Um, and, um, it would, it then, uh, so if, if, Again, if it's back, you know, the back behind his, uh, exactly, s- somewhere around the deltoid, 
uh, Arden Crayon, exactly, uh, or sort of near the shoulder blade in the back, then it would have a direct line. It could burrow straight through his body uh, to his heart, but it still has a good, goodly ways to go and a bunch of, bunch of anatomy inter, you know, uh, 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 get in the way, right? Um, so, uh, and uh, uh, trifle uh, suggests that this could also suggest why the why the tip broke off, right? Because it because because it hit bone. It could well. It, it seems very likely uh, to have uh, to have hit bone actually. Um, so yeah, so that that picture that I always had of Frodo, you know, with his with his hand like above his heart, or you know, again like up near his collarbone, saying, "Oh, my shoulder aches." Clearly, that's not right, right? I mean, it, you know, so you imagine him with his aching shoulder. It would be like this, like, "Oh man, yeah, the wound still aches," right? Uh, reaching all the way around uh, to the back. Um, uh, yeah, exactly, Marianne. That's why his fading is so slow because the the knife would have the tip of the knife would have a a, a much more uh, um, a much a, a much longer way to go. Um, whereas again, if it had always it been where I'd always imagined it, again up like you know by the collarbone or you know a little bit to the side of the, between the collarbone and the shoulder, uh, you know, the the shoulder socket there, which is again this is pretty much where I'd always pictured it. Um, it's got very much less uh, uh, of a journey, right, to his heart, with much less impediment also, right? So, um, anyway, <laughs> JJ says we need 3D forensics animations. Totally agree. Yeah, that would be really helpful here. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so... Uh, but as I said, like with the back, it makes sense that it's the chill from it is spreading both down his arm and down his side, right? It makes uh, that makes a lot of sense, right? If if again, if if the location of the stabbing is the back of his shoulder, out by his, you know, by 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 shoulder blade or above his shoulder blade, um, then it, it's yeah, yeah, it would spread down his arm. It's not already on his arm, right? Um, but it would be spreading down his arm and it would be spreading down his side. Um, yeah, yeah. And crownless. Yeah. It's super ominous. Isn't it? That phrase, a deadly chill. Um, especially, you know, crownless, I can't help but remember the deadly chill that the, um, that the ring wraith was trying to bring on, uh, not the ring wraith, the barrow white, sorry, was trying to bring on, um, you know, the cold be hand and heart and, uh, cold be, yeah, cold be hand and heart and bone and cold be, uh, uh, be sleep under stone. Boy, I got to remember the poem. Um, uh, yes, that was a deadly chill, right? And, and it's like, it seems like it's that kind of deadly chill, uh, like a, as if it were the chill of the grave itself uh, that is spreading through. It's like parts of Frodo's body are dying, right? Is what it kind of feels like with that phrase, deadly chill. At least that's how I've always, um, how, how I've always uh, 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 taken it. Uh, we will consider uh, Elrond's surgical procedures at a later date, not tonight. <laughs> that is now is not the time for that. Uh, but we will keep this in mind. Um, yeah, yeah. Lalitha, I, I agree. Cold is associated with evil here, and light and fire with good. We, we see that pretty, uh, uh, pretty, pretty persistently. Um, yeah. So he's being warmed at the fire, uh, uh, and they are and they are bathing his wound. Um, Interesting that Strider's off wandering seems to find nothing uh, 
I mean, again, well, we know that he went out for Athalos, right, is what will be revealed fairly soon. But it's kind of funny that he he comes back, right, from searching. He's like, oh, look, <laughs> forensic evidence nobody noticed uh, right here next to the fire, right? Um, um, uh, th- th- you know, we find both the cloak and the hilt. The cloak shows f- the slash of Frodo's sword. And yes, it is it is clear that it is unharmed refers to Frodo's sword, right? It's Frodo's sword that's unharmed um, uh, because it didn't. that's how you can tell it didn't hit the Witch King, right? Because if it had hit the Witch King, it, the sword, would have uh, perished. And it's interesting that Strider can cite that, right? So there are a couple things that we can begin to see here in answer to some of your questions before about, like, is he citing general lore concerning Morgul wounds? Is this a known thing, right? How does that happen? Um... And uh, um, there's a couple things that we can see here clearly, right? Uh, one is uh, um, one is the lore that um, there is um, that all blades perished that pierced that dreadful king, meaning somebody's pierced him before, right? And their blade perished, or at least it's known that that curse is laid upon him. You know that he's he has laid that spell upon himself, right? Um, yeah. I apologize. Um, I, I have to, uh, I'm sorry. I'm getting another emergency, uh, not necessarily emergency message. I'm getting another message from upstairs. One of the things that delayed me at the beginning. Um, I need to pause for just a second. I'll be right back. Okay. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.
All right. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, thanks for uh, being patient here. It's funny, you know. Um, you know, thinking about you guys and this long-term <laughs> uh, adventure uh, that we're on here together. Uh, you know, you you guys have a a very different. Um, a very different relationship with like my family than just like normal teacher student things. Right. I mean, like you guys are going to be like, uh, you know, sort of watching my family grow up here as we, um, uh, <laughs> as we go through this class. Uh, and, uh, there's a, there's a, with this kind of a long-term commitment, there's a certain kind of give and take that's sometimes going to have to happen. So, um, anyway, Okay, cool. Um, anyway, uh, sorry, no, and Steve, no, I did nothing to do with the baseball game. No, I promise it really didn't. Um, anyway, okay. Back to what I was saying before. So the Witch King, right? The Witch King has, uh, there's, there's clearly some, not only Ringwraith specific lore, but Witch King specific lore, uh, that Strider is, um, um, that Strider is is uh, uh, working with, drawing from here. Um, we don't know where it comes from. Um, it, it, you know, there there is a fair bit of lore about him because as the Witch King of Angmar, he was known. And of course, we know certainly Glorfindel being one example, but there are other examples of people who are still alive who fought against him when he was the Witch King of Angmar, right? Um, and remember all the things, you know, the, the, the legends about him that clearly the, um, the Dúnedain of Arnor um, knew stuff about him and learned stuff about him as they are, um, you know, as they are working against him, right? As they were fighting against him uh, in the long wars there. So, um, Anyway, there's, you know, lots of reasons to think that uh, some of those stories have survived. We don't know what's going on here, right? We don't know exactly what the story is behind that whole, the business about weapons. Again, has it, did it happen before, right? Is there a story that we don't know um, that pivots on a sword um, that did pierce him, obviously non-fatally, right? That then... Um, uh, that then that then was destroyed. We don't really know. And Tony, yes, I agree that Aragorn's own line would probably be passing down Witch King lore as well. Every reason to think uh, that uh, that that's the case. Um, now, uh, um, moving on to and again, now notice, of course, also his um, uh, his emphasis on the deadliness of the name of Elbereth, right? Uh, Strider, this is where Strider himself really seems to point to um, the crying out Elbereth Gilthonia was the thing that really turned the tide there, right? Um, now the knife. And more deadly to Frodo was this. He stooped again and lifted up a long, thin knife. There was a cold gleam in it, so that it is still gleaming. Um, uh, there is... Uh, um, there is a, there is a cold gleam, right? It's still, it's still a light. We saw Frodo saw the pale light, you know, the cold light, um, that not only the knife, but the hand that was wielding it, uh, uh, it uh, glowing with that. Right. So we know that 
um, that was, and you know, I talked about this some at the time we were talking about the sum at the reconstruction too. Uh, the hand of the witch king that, uh, the, the, this seems to be associated with his power. Unlike the, the burning, the red burning sword in Frodo's hand, um, which has nothing to do with Frodo's own power projected out through the sword. The knife seems to be, uh, uh, derived from the power of the witch king. Um, and it still carries some of that gleam. And then uh, when they see the edge notched and the point broken off. Um, hang on a second. You know, the, the edge notched is interesting. I think I've always kind of read over that phrase. Um, yeah, he drops his, the knife. I think so question so question number one uh does he drop the knife because he doesn't want it anymore, or is this an accidental dropping of the knife um is he is, is that is that purposeful on his part um I'm not sure my tendency is, my tendency is to say it is um uh my tendency is to say that it's not uh i don't think it's i don't think it's purposeful i don't think he just leaves it behind on purpose and the main reason i don't think that is that i think that it's i think that it's still got juice in it. I think that's why it's glowing with a cold gleam. Um, there's still power in that blade. Yes, the blade is damaged now. The point is broken off and the edge is notched, right? It's beat up, right? Yeah, exactly, Arden Crayon. That's exactly the image that I find myself resistant to, right? The idea that he would stab Frodo and then drop the weapon like, you know, uh, one of the Godfather's hitmen would drop the gun and, and walk away, right? You know, I, I, I don't... That, that's exactly the image that I can't get behind. Um, uh, yeah, Mike, that's exactly what I always did, too, Um wrapping up the notch on the edge and the the broken tip into one sort of damage of the uh, one deformity of the blade. I've always done exactly the same thing. Um, but I, uh, I don't, I don't think that's the case, right? The edges. So why is the edge notched? How did the edge get notched? It's really interesting. Um, it's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, trifle, I don't see much evidence that it's a double-edged knife. Um, I mean, the edge, its edge singular was notched. Maybe there's just a notch on one of its edges, but, um, but yeah, I think it's probably a single-edged knife. Um, and I don't think, uh, Valori, that it's, it means the edge was notched in the sense that it's a serrated blade, um, 
Catron is wondering if Frodo's blade could have struck it. I don't think so. I don't think so. He was, he was um, swinging at his ankles, right? I, I, I don't think, I don't think that's possible. Um, it could have been, yeah, uh, uh, hitting bone. Honestly, is kind of what I'm thinking too. I mean, if if they damaged the knife that badly on Frodo's bones, you'd think there'd be the injury would have been even worse. Um, the wound itself seems not to be, as we'll see later on, the wound itself is not very alarming, right? Um, uh, and it heals. Uh, you know, it's it begins to heal fairly fairly quickly. Um, but um, anyway, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, yes, more of a Seax than a stiletto. Yeah, something like that, Matt. Exactly. Um, it could have chipped when he dropped it. Maybe. I don't know. I don't find that very satisfying. Um, right. Now, Amethorn makes an excellent point. We do see, um, we do see, uh, that Morgul blades are made of vapor, right? It does vanish right after this. And what that suggests is, um, what does that suggest? That suggests to me that it's, I want to be really careful how I say this. So I'll just say it. Not a real knife that the knife is itself a kind of construct? <laughs> Look, I don't think that the knife is dissolving, again, like as if this were like a Godfather hit or something, um, you know, in order to m- make the evidence vanish, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't really think that that's, uh, that that's not the ca- that that's the case here. Um, uh you know, so yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't think it was designed to uh, like be a one-shot weapon that dissolves after it was used, so it can't be traced back to the wielder. Right? I, 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 I don't believe that. That doesn't seem likely to me. Um, so yeah, um, I think that it is. Fourth Dauntless says, if the blade is really incorporeal, the fragment in Frodo should vanish too. Well, hang on to that fourth dauntless because that idea might come in useful later on, right? Um, Arrowhead points out that the sun seems to melt the knife. I agree. At least it happens at dawn, right? Is it a kind of knife that can't be exposed to direct sunlight, else it vanish? Again, I think it's a little bit more. I think it's the the answer is a little bit less mechanical than that. Um, it's magical. But I think that this magic knife is a magic knife in a different way from the way in which uh, Frodo's sword is a magic sword, right? Um, Frodo's sword is a steel sword that is forged by the men of Arnor, right? And it is wound about with spells for the downfall of Angmar, right? So it's, it's... Spells are applied to it, right? We talked about sort of the will of the smith being uh, sort of invested in the blade, but it's still a blade, primarily, at the end of the day. Is this even a blade, right? I'm not 100% sure 
that this is a blade. Tony Mead says it's a, the knife is made of the will of the Witch King. Well, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, I remember again, it's th- that glowing hand I'm remembering here as well, right? It's there is a reality to the knife. How does it work? How does uh, how does Morgul? Uh, um, how does Morgul? You know, uh, uh, how do Morgul weapons function? You know, we don't really know, but you know, the knife itself, the blade itself, seems to be a um, um, uh, it seems to be a um, an extension of the Witch King's power. Okay, um, the fact that it dissolves in the sunlight suggests to me that that power is broken. And when the power is broken, again, it's not that when the power is broken, it leaves a regular knife, right? Like, ah, the, you know, the blade of this knife is now like the, the power has been dissolved. And so it is now just regular steel, which is chipped and broken. Uh, no, no, it vanishes and disappears like smoke. Um, it was not, it was not, um, it was not a real, a regular knife wound about with spells. Um, Arden Crayon, it does suggest that the hilt is real, but the blade is unreal. Yeah, maybe that's how they do it in Morgul. They make the they make the hilt, right? They put runes on the hilt. There are things written on the hilt, as Gorfindel's going to tell us, right? Um, so there's there's stuff written on the hilt, um, but uh, but it's not um, the blade itself is some kind of extension of the will and power of the Witch King, right? Which is designed to to entrap, to ensnare, to infect, um, and yes, to 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 stay in the wound, right? Not just to it, this, this is not just a, 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 a stabbing weapon, right? Um, yeah, as uh, Davis four hundred four on Twitter says, the blade is dark magic mounted on a hilt. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's it. That's it. That's uh, um, exactly Tony Mead. It's not a lightsaber. It's a dark saber. Exactly. Yes. Um, which the spell of which is dispersed by the sunlight. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and by the way, this is why I kind of, I tend not to think that the witch King dropped it on purpose, um, and that it still had some juice in it. Right. Because I think that he could probably, if that's the case, he could probably, uh, make another one, another blade. That is if he had the hilt, right. I don't think he dropped it on purpose. I think that, uh, I remember, he left in a hurry. He stabs Frodo as the knife is in Frodo's shoulder. Frodo is saying, I, Elbereth, Gilthonio, and he's ah, screaming and running away. Um, I think he just dropped the knife, um, uh, like in mid-stab or right at, right immediately post-stab when the, uh, you know, the sort of the Elvish name-dropping bomb uh, happened. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, good. Um, trifle, we'll get back to the splinter. We'll get back to the splinter. Though, again, obviously, as has been pointed out, um, the uh, uh, the splinter is not exposed to sunlight, right? So there's no reason to think it's necessarily going to dissolve in the same way that the rest of it is. And also, it's doing its job, right? Uh, it, you know, whatever power it has been invested to do, it's doing already. And so, presumably... Uh, this is not like 
the power of the wound is not intended to disperse with the sunrise, right? Um, though perhaps the blade itself, if just sort of left there, would outside of the possession of the Witch King. And yes, uh, Luke, I agree. Um, there's a, uh, the, the the hilt and what they see on the hilt is in fact useful for uh, Aragorn and for Gorfindel and for Elrond, right? It helps them treat the wound. Another reason, I agree, to think that the Witch King probably didn't drop it on purpose uh, because it ends up helping his enemies and he might guess that, right? Um, so, yeah. Uh, good. Um, okay. So, okay. Excellent. Um, let's see. What else was that? Uh, sorry. Uh, briefly, uh, briefly lost my train of thought as off in the distance there uh the uh uh red Sox have clinched the alds goodbye yankees thank you very much um so but i've been good right i've been good look at me i i was not watching the whole second half of the red Sox elimination game in yankee stadium uh so that i could be with you and do class tonight because that's more important to me even though, even though baseball is pretty important. <laughs> Bruinier, I don't know if you noticed the, the, the mounting tension uh, beneath my voice over the last 10 or 15 minutes as uh, Craig Kimbrell has been making it very interesting. Uh, but, <laughs> but, oh man. Okay. Um, replay review is in. Sox win. It's over. Okay. Um, so why drop the cloak? Um, Matt asks, um, uh, there's no reason for the witch King, uh, to drop it. Uh, no, I don't know why he drops the cloak, Matt. I'm not really, um, uh, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. I don't think I have a good answer for that. Unless... Matt, it's similarly just like if if the Witch King <laughs> it's torn, right? Exactly, Mike. I mean, the Witch King's not going to sew it, right? I mean, he's, he probably doesn't have a have a have a have a have a needle and thread, you know. Um, no, I don't see any motivation for it. Um, that cloak, though slashed at the he- near the hem, is still likely to be useful enough to him. Um, I doubt he's vain uh, about the appearance of his cloak. Um, I doubt there's any mechanical reason. Like Arden Crayon, I doubt that it like got snagged on Frodo's sword and he ripped it off the Black Rider. I mean, Frodo was busy lapsing into unconsciousness at the time, so I don't think that that happened. Um, I think... Um, uh, yeah, I think that, therefore, I can only see, and he still has use for it. Therefore, I can only see, Matt, I can only see one answer to this question. And that is that he, he just, this is an indication of the expedition with which the Witch King voided, right? I mean, he was out of there. Um, again, I, I invoke the parallel to that other spoiler event that's going to happen later on, right? When his spirit flees, he is driven 
away from there. Um, and I think that he, he like vanishes out of his cloak. I mean, he, he, you know, can he like, what's the word discorporate or whatever? Can he, can he like, I don't know, just like vanish out of his cloak. Um, I don't know if he can do that or not, but in any case, I discorporate that's, that was, that was, that was the word I was adding too many syllables, Mike. Uh, it's not disapparate for thoughtless. Um, he, uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I, I don't see any good reason for him to leave his cloak behind, but I do think that it suggests it supports the, uh, the, my reading that he drops the knife accidentally at that moment when the blessing of uh, Gildor uh, manifests itself and Frodo calls upon the name of Elbereth and Elbereth hears, as I think she does in this moment, the Witch King is routed. Uh, he screams and runs, drops the knife, drops his cloak, um, which might perhaps have been tugged askew or something by Frodo when he slashed it. Um, and... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he voided out of his cloak, uh, cloak boomful. That's exactly it. Um, Mike says, so how's his grade now? See, Mike, again, <laughs> I feel almost bad saying it this way, right? But, like, my respect rises for the Witch King. I mean, man, like, the, again, this just shows you what he's up against, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, Ambrosius, if he, uh, if, if he slowed down by his cloak and if, you know, dropping the cloak, he can flee faster. I, I don't really know uh, that, but um, um, but uh, <laughs> dehorrify Cecilia, maybe, yeah, 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 maybe. I I I see where you're going there, um, but um, but yeah, it's, I, I don't know. Again, like, did he actually phase out? I don't know if he actually phased out. Um, he didn't seem to lose his boots, so I suspect he didn't entirely phase out. Um, but um. Uh, so his escape was not bootless, uh, it seems. But any in, in any case, he seems to have um, fled quite expeditiously uh, from the field of battle here. So anyway, there we we'll go. There we go. And Matt, he might have a spare on his horse, right? Maybe they kept. Maybe they brought. Maybe they brought spare cloaks. Who knows? Um, uh, well, Mudmore, he doesn't lose his crown, but the thing is, his crown, his crown is incorporeal, right? Just like his sword. Um, uh, the only stuff he seems to have, um, uh, is, are his cloak and his boots. Um, I don't think there's any, uh, reason, and the hilt of that sword, of that knife, rather, right? Um, so, uh, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It is kind of charming, isn't it, to imagine the Nazgul pack? I'm sort of imagining Sauron being like, "And pack your warm cloaks because it gets cold up north," right? I can I can just imagine them doing that. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Iwen Dillian, his attack was bootless, but his retreat was not. That's it. That's exactly it. Um, okay. Uh... Few now have the skill in healing to match such evil weapons. That was the other line I wanted to focus on in the context. And we're almost done. Uh, it's almost field trip time and, and uh, drawing time. But um, yeah, I was, so I wanted, to, I wanted to come back to that sentence. It was this accursed knife that gave the wound. Um, few now have the skill in healing to match such evil weapons. 
Uh, Strider's characterizing this as such evil weapons suggests that this is not unknown and unique, right? Strider's reaction to this is not like, whoa, never in all my days have I ever heard lore about anything like that, right? No, instead he's like, oh, dear. Um, uh, yeah, this kind of evil weapon, I don't know what to do with it, right? I mean, this is a super powerful. He's clearly heard about such evil weapons. This knife does not seem to be unique. And, uh, uh, and this, um, yeah, so, so th th this kind of weapon doesn't seem to be unique. There seems to be some kind of lore about that. So going back to the question of, does Strider just know, like, are Morgul wounds a thing? Does it happen? Is, has, is there any precedent for this kind of thing? We don't know for sure, but based on what Strider says here, the, the, the way I would say it to be sort of safe is based on what Strider says here, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that there had been precedents, that there are legends handed down in the line of Arnor, that there are legends repeated in Rivendell uh, from the wars against the Witch King, that there were people who were wounded by weapons of the enemy who, uh, you know, where like the wound, who sickened and died and, and like there was an evil power in the wound um, uh, that proved deadly, you know, only days later, you know, hours or days later uh, and were difficult or almost impossible to heal. It seems likely that there's a track record of that. Um, first, it seems likely in the sense that like, why wouldn't he have done that when he's the Witch King, right? You know, when he was ruling in Angmar and in battle against Arnor, it seems a handy thing to pull out, to, you know, to pull off in battle. Um, and second, um, and secondly, there's, uh, um, there's, uh, so yeah, so I, I don't see any reason to think that, that it didn't happen. And I don't see any reason to think to think that Strider wouldn't know about it. Oh, Trifle, thanks for reminding me about that. I had forgotten about that. Uh, Trifle is reminding us that uh, in the appendix, in the list of the um, of the stewards of Gondor, it's uh, mentioned that uh, Boromir the First of Gondor explicitly died of a Morgul wound. Yeah, great. So we have a definite uh, precedent, a, a concrete named precedent. Uh, for that kind of thing uh, within the books themselves. That's that's really good. Um, yeah. Aornor, yeah, Tony, yeah, I mean, it could be, right? Uh, uh, nothing more likely under the circumstances. Um, but, of course, we don't really know what happened to Arnor, right? So what happened to Arnor is pure speculation on everybody's part. Um, uh, I quite enjoy Lotro's speculations on that point, but, but yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't really know. So it's, it's hard to take that as a, as a very specific example. Um, but, um, but yeah, Tony, I do imagine it's something that happened a lot, uh, during, during second age. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Druid's Fire says maybe it's a shadow of Trotter brought in from earlier versions. Um, yeah. The PTSD thing. Right. Um, maybe he he knows. Maybe he's received a Morgul wound. That seems like a lot. Right. I mean, that would be a big leap. Um, but we know something happened to him. Right. We know he has some personal painful uh, personal experience uh, with the with the Nazgul. Right. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, cool. Um, so why don't the Nazgul stab more people and create more wraiths, Bruinier? Who says they don't, right? Well, first of all, again, they've been kind of in bubble wrap for a while now. Um, uh, they've been doing other things. Um, remember that it's kind of a big deal that 
the Dark Riders are seen at the at the at, at Osgiliath, right at the battle where um, uh, Boromir and the 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 people of the you know the, the men of Minas Tirith are driven back from Osgiliath. Um, and remember the way that it's characterized by Boromir at the Council of Elrond, right? So like some new terror was there that we have not seen before. Um, and when the Witch King himself comes to the Pelennor Fields, um, they're going to be concerned. This is a new threat, right? Um, a legendary threat, a known threat, but uh, not an old experienced, uh, you know, experienced foe, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, okay. So, yes. Uh, without rings of power, such knife-made wraiths might not persist. Yeah, I don't really know exactly what would be the fate of somebody who was pierced by a morgul wound and made into a wraith. Uh, you know, who knows what their longevity is, what exactly happens. Do they endure? Do they... Is that a way of building a, a wraith army? Given the fact that we don't see a wraith army at any point, I would say probably not. Um, but we again, we don't really have much data about that. Um, and Mike, I agree. It is likely that the investment of power into these not real blades comes at a personal cost. I agree. That is the precedent with this kind of thing. When you, as uh, especially, we see this happening all the time with the bad guys, right? When they... Uh, put their own power forth in order to control their enemies, as the Witch King seems to be doing through the blade of, you know, the the non-blade of this knife. Um, I assume, yes, that's going to be taking it out of him, right? Another reason why he was vulnerable, right, when he's striking Frodo, because he was putting forth all his power uh, to, not just to advance on Frodo, which was difficult, I think, um, but to uh, to create and maintain the blade that is stabbing and then kind of cursing Frodo right through the wound. Um, and then of course, when Elbereth comes out, it's, uh, it's all over. So, um, anyway. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Boopful wants this is, should be a grant proposal for studying the effects of Morgul wounds. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so few now have the skill in healing to match such evil weapons, but I will do what I can. What exactly is he going to do? Tune in next week when we find out what Strider is really going to do to uh, attempt to uh, uh, match such evil weapons uh, in healing. Um, uh, that will be the end of our book discussion tonight, uh, and we will go to our... Um, we will go to our... Uh, 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 field trip. But first, let's do our drawings. Uh, so let me do our donor drawing here first, as I have done before. Um, so if you're not, if you're in Discord and you're not logged on to Twitch, log on to Twitch now so that you can you can be in this. That way, that way, I will. It'll be easiest for me to. Oh, so poor Narnia is logged out again. Get back in there, Narnia. Cursor. Where's my cursor? There it is. Okay. All right. Okay, wonderful. 
Awesome. Thank you for that, guys, for your donations during class today. Let's see. Getting my dice for my official drawing, as always, here. Uh, okay. And the winner today is Kimber Nelson. Kimber Nelson is our winner today uh, of our donor drawing. And again, remember, we've got... Um, your choice of either one of these books with a custom book plate signed by me in it, or um, uh, you can have two free tickets to the regional moot of your choice. Uh, and uh, if you want to, uh, so send an email to donate at signumu.org and uh, you will, uh, uh, you can just let us know either the book that you want or let us know where you live and we'll, we'll try to hook you up with uh the closest regional moot and let you know some more information about that. Uh, so thank you, Kimber, uh, for your donations. And, and, uh, that's really cool. So there you go. Oh, good. Kimber's here. Excellent. Okay. Now let me, let me check in on Twitch. We've got a bunch of folks on Twitch and we've got uh, some people in the talent and we've got some, uh, people on Twitter too. Okay. So, Everyone's included in the drawings. We're going to include everyone in the drawings. So I got to do my fancy dice wrangling thing again. All right. And we have, oops. Oh, hang on. Got to re-roll those. Oh, this is exciting. Oh, hang on. That doesn't work. Oh, that works. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. So we have... Okay, we have Tamara, Tamara3462 on Twitch. You are the winner of our draw of our attendee drawing today. That is Tamara3462 on Twitch. Uh, so again, send an email to uh, donate at signumu.org uh, and uh, we'll help to set you up uh, uh, with your with your prize. So uh Let's see, I hope that Tamara is still with us here. So, anyway, very good. Congratulations. Um, okay, so with that, thanks. Oh, and don't don't forget, uh, we've been getting some emails from uh, people who are listening asynchronously, which is great. But don't forget, um, on our webathon this weekend, we're going to be closing and doing the drawings for our, uh, our asynchronous drawings. So for everybody who has donated to Signum University this year or continued a, a recurring donation from last year and mentioned... Uh, uh, the the uh, exploring the Lord of the Rings uh, in an email that they've sent to donate at signumu.org. We're going to be entering you in our exploring the Lord of the Rings drawing, and we'll be doing giving out three pretty cool prizes uh, on uh, on uh, Saturday uh, afternoon. So I hope that you will join us for that, and you'll find out. And again, you, there's still time if you're listening to this episode. Um, uh, there's still time between now, as long as you get it in before October 13th, which is when the drawings happen, uh, then you can still enter even if you're not joining us uh, live here uh, in the class. So, um, And of course, also, if you are. Okay, awesome. Thanks, everybody. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to say goodbye to the folks on Twitter tonight. You guys were awesome. You guys on Twitter today were full of commentary, and that's really cool. So thanks for that. Uh, uh, good to have some active conversation there, as well as on Discord and Twitch and the town hall, four of the places that I'm uh, monitoring here at the same time. So thanks for joining us. Um, go ahead and switch over to twitch.tv slash SignumU if you want to join us for the uh, for the in-game field trip. Uh, and uh, we're going to switch over to that now. So uh, bye, Twitter folks. Okay. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Doing all right. Very good. All right. Uh, little sniffly, so I hope that won't interrupt with anything. I'm trying to kill it with fisherman's friend lozenges, so that oh, should do. Oh, yeah, no problem. No problem. Okay. Cool. So... Are we ready to continue some touring of the Lone Lands here? Yeah, Gartha Garwin was it? Gartha Garwin. Yeah, we've we've All gone right. everywhere in the Lone Lands, pretty much. Um, <laughs> there, I mean, there's some square patches of ground that we've not uh, been over, but we've been most places. <laughs> um, and uh, but we need to go up and uh, explore Gartha Garwin in order to get to complete our picture of the. Uh, the history of the Arnorian civil wars as they were fought out here in the Lone Lands based on uh, in-game uh, fictional archaeology. So that is uh, a pretty exciting... Uh, um, th that it's going is... to be hard to fit on my resume. I know, right? But, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what we can do. Um, so, okay. All right, let's, uh, let's head out. I think we can just go straight to Oscar Ruth is actually even more convenient than usual for heading down there. Oh. Help, I'm so new. <laughs> it's a new Erebor update today. Yes, big update today. <sighs> so behind. Oh, man. I want to see everything. Me too. Me too. Yeah, it's like I'm an altaholic at this point. I should just accept that I will eventually get some everywhere on one character or another. But. Yeah. See, that's, um, that is, uh, yeah, I, so I'm not a full altaholic really. I don't have like dozens of alts, but I do. The problem is I'm, you know, like I'm a completionist and I hate leaving <laughs> things behind. So, you know, that's basically what, so there are two reasons why I did create, um, other alts. Uh -huh. And uh, uh, those are first because I, I was curious to just sort of play some of the other classes. I, I wanted to I wanted to see what the other classes were like. Um, yeah. And there are still some I haven't played that I would really like to someday just to kind of see how the gameplay is. Um, in, in principle, Warden is one of my uh, uh, sort of, you know, dream. Uh, you know, it's like I, I, an alt that I would really like to have time to do, but I've never oh, had yeah. time to do. Um I've never played champion or hunter either, but warden I'm I'm most curious about. Anyway, yeah, you know. that's that's a hard one. You, if, if you watch girls, you know I'm having trouble with uh, my burglar because I play range so long. It's the the idea of running up, and, you know, to something or sneaking in up to something is just completely foreign to me. Yeah, it's like it's... no, can't we just stay in the back, far far away from everything? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, kind of like how I have a hard time playing my burglar because I want to play him like a guardian. Um, yes, I, I understand yeah. that general 
issue. Um, well, yeah, yeah, the burglar too. It's just like, oh, right, stealth. Yes. Right, it's not just going ah and running at things. Exactly, exactly. Um, okay, there's my Oscar Ruth there. All right. Um, Which, in my defense, that's the Sam. That's the Sam version. That's a guardian. Right. Exactly. Uh, Tony opines that Grifflet is totally going to pass Wigand. It's possible, though, Tony, you know, Wigand has been getting a move on lately. You know, with I, I uh-huh. made some progress in that marathon. He's now, low, I think he's level 100. I think I, didn't I cross into level 100 or 99 at least? I gained at least what? four levels that day. Um, That's impressive. Uh, I don't know if I gained five, but I, I'm sure I got up to 99. Um, Man, you're going faster than me. Yeah, so I got up to level 99 and... Yeah, uh, it there. It, uh-huh. it, it was 99? Thank you. Yes, it was high. Okay. Yep. Wow. Right. It was 99. So anyway, so he's he's uh, he's close. And, you know, I'm going to have another session with him uh, at the Webathon this Saturday. You know, I'll get another, you know, not another 14 hours with him, but I'll get another, you know, <laughs> God, prob- no. probably three hours with him. Uh, and we'll have to keep in mind that when I start playing, um, uh, oh, wait, I should probably wait for folks. Oh, yeah, yeah, People, yeah. And, uh, sorry, yeah, I just kind of went herring off towards Garth Garwin because I was in the middle of speaking, but we should probably be a little yeah, bit... There are no more Max in the bushes. Yeah, what's... Yeah, that's fine. Here we go. Anyway, okay. Okay, right, the so, minstrels yeah, are here. All right, there we go. Some stragglers who were like, wait a second, where did they go? Okay, yeah. all right. Is that everybody? Just give it another minute here. Yeah. Another, another, another couple more. Anyway, like I said, I'm going to have... When I start my Wigan session... On Saturday night, uh, I will already have been broadcasting for ten hours, so wow. I'm not going to be able to go all night long. Um, <laughs> however, I, uh, I, I I should be able to get somewhere. So again, my goal is to do Pilar gear, and that'll be really fun. I'll probably get up to level 100. I hope. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll see. Um, Dance break. Dance break when you hit level 100. And if I can get through Pilar gear in this session, see, I have the follow-up marathon that I promised to do uh, since we did such a wonderful job fundraising during my first Wigan marathon. I said I'd do another one. And so then that suggests to me that in my second marathon, we probably really could get to Minas Tirith. Um, oh, man. You know, and maybe get into some of the some of the Pelennor stuff. Um, That'd be so. fun. Oh, Minas Tirith is kind of a hoot when you talk to the people. I mean, you know, yeah, I've I've heard complaints that it's grinding. I'm like, no, I love talking to every single one of these people, and learning their problems. I would really, yeah, I would really look forward to. Oh dear, we have somebody's being attacked here. Yeah. Wait. Oh yeah, we got level thirty twos to protect here. All right. So All right. We're gonna. That's have why to... I stayed out because mine's a twenty-eight. Right. In fact, let's just yeah. dismount here. Um, oh, okay. Let's do that. Uh, let's just dismount because okay, we're gonna be yeah facing challenges all the way through here. So yes, okay. Follow I'm at your peril. Setting my pet on aggressive mode. Man, I'm on the brute squad. Okay, that's right. All right. Okay. Okay. So I've got. Wait, let's see which one is this. All right. Okay. Good. All right. So. My my winks will help. All right. Uh, very good. So here we are in the outskirts of Gartha Garwin, uh, here in uh, uh, Haragmar. And the, Suitably sanguine the, looking. Right. The blood pools here, yes. The circle of blood. Um, 
our first indication... I wonder why it's called that. Yeah, exactly. Our first indication that not all is well here in... Uh, uh, in in Gartha Garwin, um, you know, and I just I love this. This not only the 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 red water, but the staining of the land. Right, that's why I stopped over here. I, I love how the the land is just stained red. It looks like blood has just been soaked into the soil, uh, and is still uh, um, is still visible right through the bleeding through yeah. the topsoil. Yeah. Except not, it's not quite now the pools themselves kind of look like the you know these could be pools of the blood of the land right yeah um, what if it's like that red algae that's killing everything in florida <laughs> i don't know but uh but the, the it, I, I love how this kind of accomplishes both right like the the water looks like blood as if it were the blood of the land but then the uh the the staining of the soil doesn't look like um soil welling up through the or blood welling up through the soil it looks like the blood that is soaked into the soil and still remains which of course is as we know um you know from those of us who have been through here and heard the whole story is in fact the source of the problem right that the 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 blood of the civil strife has had its impact so in a sense what we're doing here having explored the kind of the different um you know venues of or 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 so you know the, the 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 terrain that they've all been fighting over um in the arnorian civil wars uh we find here this the kind of the cost of them right the consequences of them and it's interesting yes. that you know this is not just like and here's what the bad guys did right isn't that horrible um yeah it isn't just that you know it's uh it's the blood that was shed in the civil wars independent of like whether you were in the right or in the wrong, you know, um, the mere fact that, uh, that this happened, that the civil wars occurred, brought about Mm -hmm. this evil and we can still see the blood pooled. I just, I, I, uh, have always, and then the mist, right? We've seen blood mist. Yeah. In various other places, the, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the clouds, like when we were just down in the Harloig and we were getting up near the boss man right in the back corner. Um, and there was, um, there was the, 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 you know, the darkness and the sort of greenish magical darkness that sort of closed in around us. The way that the whole air seems to be filled of this like blood red water vapor, right. Is, uh, mm-hmm. uh, is really interesting. So the first thing that we can see of course, is that, this is a Rudaran fortress in here, which of yep. course makes sense if we look at the map. Um, all of this, everything between Weathertop and the river uh, that is north of the road has been uh, Rudaran so far. Um, and so the way that this is constructed, set back among the hills like this, kind of symmetrically uh, with the Harloig down in the south, um, which as we saw were Cardellani ruins, um, uh we have um um this would look to be one of the sort of the central strongholds of uh the people of Rudauer. By the way, just for a second, if we go where's my cursor? I lost my cursor again. There it is. Um can we go north from here? We can't, can we? Um we they changed the map the fortress. They changed okay. the map. Oh. The map is different. Oh my goodness, the map is beautiful. Isn't that gorgeous? Oh, wow. Wow. 
Okay, so this is like what you get when you like do live class the day of an update. My <laughs> goodness. Oh, see, I always loved these style maps that you know they were when they were building these over in Ravanian. Oh, nifty. Look <laughs> at that. That is so cool. So each region now has like a building, right? That is we so we can see Weathertop there on the map and we can see uh -huh. Rivendell House and uh, uh, Hobbit houses there in Hobbiton, and the oh look, it's the Matham House, right? Is standing for Mickle Delving on the map, uh, and then Kellendim, right? We've got one of those nice Elvish buildings down by the, uh, yeah. by the sea. We've got a big. Oh, I see it statue. now. I didn't zoom out far enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to zoom out. You got to zoom out. You got to zoom out. Yeah. Okay. I see um, it now. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, "No, that coffee stain's still there. That's pretty rad." <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, we've, got, yeah. we've got a big dwarf statue for Thorin's Hall. You can see Anuminus there by the lake. Fornos, what is this? Oh, that. Hmm. I guess it's one of the towers there in the North Downs. North Downs, North Downs. Really interesting. That is. That might be the. Um, the. Oh, like the Falcon's Roost or something like that? Um. The Falconer's Tower? Maybe. 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 Maybe just the fortress at the end with a dark water quest that I always hate. Gosh, though, you know what this new map shows? What's that? Lots more empty space. Notice, yeah? Notice how much more... I, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, no, 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 no. Look at all that space between the Shire and Enidway. Right there. Yes, that is and that is something. And all this, yeah, all the like the space here between the Guathlo and the Brandywine, right? Right. Mm. I mean, this is like obviously a zone waiting. Exactly as you were saying between Enidwyth and the yep. Shire. Uh, this is clearly a zone waiting to happen, right? Um, <laughs> as is, I can't help but notice up here, right to the to the mm -hmm. west of Evendim, on the other yep. side of the River Loon. Um, and further yeah, north. Yeah, I did notice that. Land. Yeah. 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 And of course, the Grey Havens out in this direction over here. Oh, my. Right? Quite. Um, yeah. 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 So, I, again, I don't know if it's just me and my sketchy memory of the old map, um, but these the way that these are all positioned, those holes are so much more obvious. Well, before it used to cut off right at Arid Lewin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was the closest you could get. Exactly. Now you see the whole. It was sort of here. There be dragons. Look at this after whole that. area down here. My goodness. I know. Yeah, so Twisted cool. Drake. I know Tharbat is down here. That's exactly what I'm hoping for, right? Um, <laughs> if uh, if we can get Tharbad, which Tharbad is here, right? Tharbad is at the crossing of the Guathlo uh -huh. on the road on the on the on the Greenway. Um, mm -hmm. if we could get Tharbad and this whole section in here, then, uh, yeah. I've now, always wanted to see where the Greenland, uh, green. Oh man. Green, yeah, I know. Right. Like the, to, to, to ride the Greenway from Minas Tirith all the way up to Fornost. And that's a thing, yeah. right? You want to, you want to do that. But I always wanted to go South, but I want to go South and it always has that roadblock and it's all yeah, Benston, you yeah can't exactly. Do it. From Bree, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. No, the West March, yes, I agree. The West March um, uh, and the Tower Hills, definitely, definitely. Lots now, of map space in Rovanian, too. Definitely. Now, uh, 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 what, 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 Whisk, Luke, oh, Luke, yeah, from Wisconsin, right, I remember. You were on Twitter. Um, Luke, uh, yeah, it is said many times in the book and appendices that the land between the Brandywine and the Grey Flood is barren. Yeah, um, but of course, so the lowlands. So <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, that's why they're called the lowlands, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it hasn't stopped them before. So, um, so yeah. uh, we'll see. But anyway, even you know, see. Um, so, Luke, because what I'm thinking, right? Especially given the chronology that we have right now, if we can move into those areas during the like early Fourth Age period, right? Um, you know, as the, cause see, here's, here, here's what I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking that after the war is over, which it kind of is right. As we've done the Mordor thing, as I understand. Yeah. So, uh, in the post war of the ring phase to have like the, the kind of the moving North of people, right. You know, yeah. as, as, you know, like the, the first explorers who come North, um, with the King's riders to, uh, you know, sort of like explore and clear out the land and things that clearly there would be a great deal for the player characters to do in order to help out these folks as they move through Tharbad and, you know, the land around there. Um, clearly, right? Clearly. Well, yeah, and it's just like Lone Lands and Path of the Dead in this area. They only say no one because no one ever has. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, all right. The Dunlin maps are still the same. Sorry, I'm just looking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. This is the only one they've changed this time around. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's super exciting. Um, uh, I, Fourth Dauntless is not in love with it. I, I agree. The book, the the one that looks like it's in a book, is classy, and I I don't mind. Therefore, having the you know the old, um, okay. you know, like town maps, right, or like region maps, um, that they have. But anyway, I just you know, these are gorgeous. I'm sorry. It's I like do. looking down from the ISS. Yeah, it kind of is, right? Uh, I, yeah. I really, I really like that. Um, plus, excited. just having having a more, like you know, cartographically accurate map of Eriador is really nice. You know, I used to use even the old map, which was not really attempting to be, you know, exactly to scale and and having everything, uh, you know, labeled on it properly. Um, uh-huh. uh, you know, it was designed to be a kind of a cruder, you know, approximation. Um, uh, but this is, as I, as I was saying, I used to use even that as a prop during lectures, right? So this yeah. is much easier. This will be, this is great. Um, uh, screen cap that, yeah. Yeah, with, uh, with, uh, with, you're absolutely right, screen cap this. You could totally use this. So um, anyway, yeah, Plus that's, it, that's pretty cool. Tolkien's drawings are really awesome. But at the same time, I'm sort of curious, like, you know, what would Middle Earth look like from space, you know? Right. Right. Nothing and, wrong with um, that kind of healthy curiosity. <laughs> and and Luke, you're absolutely right about the storyline of the Numenorians having stripped the forest in that region during the Second Age. And Luke, you've mm-hmm. got to think, right? That's going to feature into the plot, right? You know that's yep. going to come up. Um, yes. when, you know, if, if we did get adventures in, you know, in exploring uh, that land. So anyway. Just yeah. no Entwives. Yeah, that is. Uh, um, yeah, no Entwives. Probably. Um, 
but yeah, that's 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 pretty cool. Anyway, the reason I accidentally got to this, which I didn't even know to look for, um, was that I was <laughs> trying to remind myself of what that I was like. The North Downs are north of the Lonelands, right? And yes, uh-huh. they are. Um, you can see, of course, how you know thinking of Angmar. So. Uh, Using the map now, uh, as I was just talking about, right, with Fornost up here, Anuminus, and then Fornost being the center of the kingdom of Arnor, Fornost being sort of the military capital of the sort of the sub-kingdom of Arthodyne, and with Cardolan located down here south of the road, um, taking up there. I'm surprised the um, the Barrowdowns aren't marked on the map. Um, but anyway... Uh, um, so, uh, uh, you know, with him holding up finally in the Barrow Downs, which would be right around here, south of Bree. Uh, and as we saw within the Lotro world, there were also uh, the Cardolani ruins down there in the Harloweg, which looked like a major city of theirs. Uh, so they, they were all down here south of the road. Um, as I said, it looked like the road is, is really the frontier that Arthodyne was trying to hold to contain the kingdom of Rudaur, which was based here in the northern part of the north uh, of, of the Lonelands and then up into the North Downs uh, and because through into Angmar. But you'll remember, we did not see um, that many ruins. There were a couple Rudauran ruins in the North Downs, but not all that many. It does really look like the primary concentration of uh, the Rudauran uh, uh, strongholds were down here in the Lone Lands, down along the south, and, and that therefore perhaps uh, focused here in the Garthagarwin region. Um, so that's that's what I came to the map to point out before I was suddenly distracted by a gorgeous new map. Um, so sorry, sorry, my my apologies for those who are standing around in the game looking at this ruin. I apologize. That, cause of, but that map, though, wow. Again, this is the yeah. peril of coming on a field trip on uh, on update day. Okay, so yeah. these banners now. What's up with these banners? Let's see. Uh, it's got... What's it got? Is that a bird? Is that two like birds? like two birds who are kind of, you know, About ignoring to butt each heads? other. Or, yeah, they've just had a tiff. What's up with that? Yeah. What? I don't know. Facing the is other way. A, whose banner is this? Uh, considering it's still in one, relatively one piece, I want to say it's definitely a more recent edition, but it's definitely been through the wars. Yeah, I mean, it's been through stuff. It's much more detailed. I mean, look at the line drawing there with the birds, right? Yes. No orc banners. It's not that all orc banners are devoid of artistic um, flair, Right, some of them do. Um, it's uh, it's outsider art when a goblin does it, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, but they, yeah, they they never, um, um, they never really. I've never seen them do line drawings like that. It's always been like the more no. broad stroke kind of painting and stuff. Um, Stick figures. Emmethor yeah. and I do suspect that this is the banner of the Hillmen. I'm just trying to understand it. Yeah, I can't quite make heads or tails out of this. Especially since there doesn't seem to be any ob- any obvious connection with Rudaur or Angmar, right? Um, yeah. Nor does it look much like the Hillman banners that we were looking at up in, um, uh, uh, like, uh, what's it called? Algair. Um, the, you know, the, 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 the Hillman up there in... Uh, Southern Angmar. Um, 
Yeah, it's not made out of skin. This is definitely some sort of tapestry. Yeah, that's what it looks like. The other one's identical. It almost looks like, like there's a cow skull on top of an eagle that's flying towards us. Okay. I'm seeing the cow skull, I think. I mean, that's the only thing that kind of makes visual sense. Yeah. The birds, um, though, are weird. It's like half of two birds. Is it really yeah, birds? One, they got funky flavor stripes. Yeah. I don't... They, they did the Kool-Aid dip dye thing that's really popular in middle school these days. Right. Right. It is? Yeah, oh. still. Oh. Girls sticking their ponytails in Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that I see. Yeah. Okay. My daughter's hair won't take dye. <laughs> We've oh, yeah. tried multiple times. Yeah. I think I've seen that effect in uh, uh, yeah. carpool lines. Um, I have boys, so neither of them are tempted. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, it but, does look like that. But no, let's see. Okay, so. Any clues inside as to what it might be? I don't know, because I think there's, there is an, I saw another one of these banners in here, but, oh, and notice we have the, we have the kings in there. Well, yeah, we also got some orbs being held aloft. Yeah, look at this. I, I don't think we've ever. Oh, no, this is one we saw at the um, Blackwold. Yeah. I don't think we've ever been able to stand up this close to one before. That's kind of cool. No, that is pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely that Gondor helmet there. And look, there's definitely, which we can't ever have seen from a distance, um, it looks like it's faded, but it looks like there were stars around the edge of the kind of mm -hmm. thing around their head, like the sort of halo effect there behind their heads. Yes. Probably seven. Probably. Though it looks like... Oh, you can see it a little more. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven... Eight. No, it looks like there's more than seven. Huh. That's weird. Don't know what to do about that. Just symbolic number of stars that yes, has nine, nothing to do with the perhaps. number. Yeah. Okay, got these banners all over the place. And whoa. Oh, yeah. That's the orb person that you were seeing that yep. statue up there. Yep. There's two of them, yeah. Orb and uh, yes, indeed. scepter or sword. Sword, I think. Oh, oh there's stairs up there. Oh, we can get up there? Yep, we can get up there. It's on the, it's on the um, ramparts. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, so getting up close to it does not mean you can see it better. All right, here we go. Yep, yep, yep. It's that same sword and orb yep. guy that we've seen earlier. Definitely a sword. Huh. What is up with that orb? Palantir? Well, I mean, that certainly is like the... Well, not only is it the oh. obvious guess, it's like the only... I mean, is there I mean, he's not, else? It's not his bowling ball. So. Right. I mean, yeah. is there no, anything he's... else in the in the legendarium that is a, you know, a handheld sphere like that? 
No, I can't really think of any. Although that's kind of a weird place to put your volunteer up in the air like that. Well, it it's is. Like, I got a cell phone. <laughs> it, it is. Does it looks like he's bragging about it, right, or threatening yeah. somebody with it? Maybe, maybe <laughs> he's going to throw it off the ramparts and brain somebody with it because I will call your mom. <laughs> yeah, no, because you can use it as a projectile weapon at need. No, <laughs> absolutely not. You, no, you absolutely can. Yeah, no, Gandalf brains somebody with it at the Battle of Pelennor Field at one point. Oh, okay, okay. I think that counts as an improvised weapon, if you ask any GM. <laughs> but a deadly improvised weapon. Okay, so... Well, you know, you know, Feanor somewhere going, don't do that to them! <laughs> That's right, yeah. Somewhere, Feanor's spirit is not happy, but that pretty much goes without saying. Um... I like killing somebody with a laptop. <laughs> <laughs> Techies everywhere going, idea. no, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Erokeb wonders if perhaps they're laying symbolic claim to Amon Sul. Uh, quite possible. I mean, but, that would certainly be the local association with uh, Pelletier, yeah, right? That's, that is the most popular service provider. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Fourth Dauntless was thinking the same thing that uh, um, if, you know, if, if this is meant to be a king of Rudar, um, uh or even the Witch King himself, uh, you know, it's sort of like a prophetic bragging statue, right? You know, this is uh, this is what oh, it's like going to be with, like. Like with the scepter. Remember, we had one earlier with the scepter too, and going, "This is what it's going to look like when I have the scepter, and I'm really cool." Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That same kind of thing. Do you think this is meant to be the Witch King? I think it probably is, right? You've got the crown, a very distinct crown. It could be oh, a Rudarian yeah. king, but it could just be the Witch King himself. Uh, you know, I never made that connection. I thought that I saw crown is, Yes, I'm pretty that, sure I do. The hilt? No, maybe I don't. Did we see something like this in Angmar? Crown's pretty janky. From what oh, I, I know, it... it looks like there's a skull on the like pommel of the sword. And the cross beads, mm. maybe, but the more I turn uh, it, that's, and look at that's gravel angles. texture. Yeah, I don't think it is. Oh well. What was that, Druid? I always thought it was uh, a bastardized version of Elendil trying to claim descent from the the high house. Oh yeah. It'd be like that this is Elendil, and he's on our side. Well, I mean, that would certainly fit with the propaganda. Or, I'm 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 the one true heir kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that would that would fit with the three kings over here. You know, I mean, if we're imagining mm-hmm. that to be Elendil, Isildur, and Anarion, um, yeah, because obviously the kingdom of Rudaur would still claim that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you have to wonder too at what stage in the progression with Angmar is, um, you know, in in the progression of the relationship between Rudaur and Angmar is this statue in this fortress made, right? Um, because, yeah. like, it turns out that they a- ally themselves with Angmar, but that's not, like, step one of the Rudaran rebellion. Right? Yeah. I mean, well, you can see something else was here before the statue was up. Here's the here's the, um, the forced slash Rudaran crown here. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the statue is obviously a later addition, um... Which is why I would tend to think it's probably either the Witch King or 
a later, probably not historic, not that kind of a historical claim, because that kind of historical claim would be likely to come at the very beginning of the kingdom of Rudar, and this statue would appear to be later. Um, yeah, right of birth, that. and this is just right of might. Right, Forthalos was just thinking exactly the same thing that it looked that that he would think it would be. Uh, this, the difference in the stone makes it look like a later addition. That certainly is what it looks like to me as well. Um, cool. Never noticed how cool those cliffs look. Those cliffs look awesome. And impassable. Yes, they do. Um, lots of these banners, if they are Hillman banners, indeed. Yeah. Still can't tell what they are. Still looks like some sort of horned skull creature with wings. Yeah. Now, that's an interesting theory, Erukeb, who's uh, suggesting maybe the statues, since the stone is so different, um, perhaps they were moved from somewhere else. They don't look like they were really designed for these spots. Um, it, would, it would be interesting if they were, in fact, like seized, for, if they were not Rudaran statues, but were... Commissioned, yeah. Yeah, were like, uh, well, stolen, were like repurposed, right? Um it, it, and we've seen these statues all over and lots of different things yeah. in the Oops. Lonelands and the North Downs. Yeah. So it, yeah. You, you do get the feeling that those were all put there in a wave of, of either, you know, a declaration of strength or in a wave of historical uh, editing. Yeah. 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 Well, let's look around the, uh, the nearer reach here. I know it's getting late. Yeah. Uh, with many delays and stoppages this evening and as well as a lot of fun discussion. Um, okay, so down here we have a gazebo with lots of look, look, lots of artichokes. An artichoke sign in a in a in a gazebo pentangle here. Look at that. Oh, pentangle. Yeah. The the pillars are different than what we've seen in the gazebos. Yeah, we usually. usually see these flat rectangular pillars. But yeah, they're well. Um, yeah, you, we usually see something that looks more like uh, Corinthian instead of these big, yeah, big, big duders here. Yeah, this this flat all the North way Downs. The North Downs is where we saw our first one. With gazebo, the, yeah, but we, I don't think the Grecian we, pillars. Yeah, I don't think we saw the we saw redound gazebos. Just have a statue. No. Yep. Yep. It did have a statue up there. They love their statues atop the gazebos. But the what? columns being different is really interesting. It is. It's just a totally different style. Similar concept, but a very different style. It, it seems less like a little summer veranda. Yeah. But it does suggest that this area, the fact that they have a gazebo right out here in the open over here like this. Well, I say in the open, it's within this court. Um, uh-huh. And that passage through which we came, you know, is is a pretty uh -huh. defensible passage. Well, look at these archways here. Look at the stone involved here. Oh, yeah, the and, and the ironwork and the portcullis. Is that a design in the middle? It's got a scepter in the middle up there, but oh, you mean in the middle of the, the stonework? Stonework. Looks like the horizontal. There's symmetry. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that might be that might be a texture wrap, but maybe. Certainly different. It's almost crazy paving too. It's not. It's not like this masonry work right next to it. No. So these portcullis were uh, 
definitely really? later editions. Really interesting too. That you would have fancy pants. Yeah, it's very. And of course, this look at the portcullis now. I know it's it's beautiful and it's functional. It's cute. Yeah, exactly. It's it's. I mean, it would work as a portcullis, but you know, not excellently. It's yeah. No, I could see like the sort of darling ironwork at Martha's Vineyard kind of thing. You know? Exactly <laughs> right. It, it's. I mean, if you came at this thing with a ram, right? You could you could ram out the little the little filigree work, you know, and then you oh, have yeah. a big old patch, you know, that you can yeah. get through. It's um, it's funny because I mean, it's not like this isn't a, a serious wall. I mean, this wall is a serious defensive fortification, um, mm-hmm. and as you say, this archway is really impressive, though beautiful as well. Um, but that portcullis is just. Oh, form over function. <laughs> form over function, exactly. Um, yeah, it's cute though. I kind of want it for a housing item. It is cute. Okay, now here we have some of some of these uh, hostile water spirits. Yeah, um, I keep forgetting this is the place to go if you need that deed for killing the the dark waters. Yes. Okay, so we can see that not all is well, and we have white. So we have the undead, and we have the corrupted water spirits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some more of these, and it's, they're columns once again, but they're, the caps on them are not like what we've seen. Yeah, no, they're not. They're not. We get, look at this little... Oh, you found another tomb. Yeah. With Rudaran symbols and artichoke petals all over it. Yeah. And those vines, which we can't, which we've never figured out. I I always like the stone and brick texture around the mausoleums here. They remind me of a very fancy tea biscuit. (laughs) Yes, I see what you mean. Yes. Sorry, I like cookies. Yeah, so this has got to be a king of Rudaur because of the yep. way you've got this, you know, this whole, I mean, look at the whole Rudauran panoply here, right? You've got, I mean, if you look at it from above, you've got the tomb set in the middle of one of the crowns, surrounded, right, by six other crowns, and then, uh-huh. uh, like, loomed over by this circular wall <laughs> that has, like, the big scepter of Anubinus right in the middle and surrounded by more crowns. I mean, uh, it's too subtle. I need like a big neon sign going right. Rudar right above him. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he was really aligned with the kingdom of Rudar. But all of this suggests to me that this area was the center of Rudar and power. Um, uh-huh. Especially the, you know, even if the portcullises are later and the fact that they were just regular archways before, there's so many of these very guarded Mm-hmm. Archways all over the place. This is definitely a fortress designed to, you know, yes. bottleneck people. Yes, and here's another one of those fancy gateway portcullis combinations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I don't pretend to understand these arches. Mm. Oh, wait, wait a second. Oh, they're c- yeah, they're circular. Yeah. So this was like a circular, what, like a circular colonnade? 
Possibly, uh, yeah, it's another another gazebo or something similar. Yeah. Oh, big old big old wall with kings on it again. Where, the tower. Here? Yeah, the tower behind us. Oh yeah, the five kings. Yep. Oh, in this square tower. Yeah, sure. Yep. Sure. Crenellations on top. And then just the scepter over here. Mm -hmm. well, this is so it looks like there are two circles. two One over here and one over there. This is a bizarre kind of layout. I mean, it's intensely... Um, uh, you know, concentric, right? You know, with uh -huh. the several different layers of walls you have to get through. And then you get in here and you have to get up on this wall. Yeah, know, that almost then... looks like it would have been a garden with two little... Yeah, possibly. possibly. Outdoor area with two central gazebo dealies. Right, but yeah, but oh, this is going all uh, this is, ministerial yeah. here, right? You know, with the... Yeah, yeah. With the, the buttresses. central man here, obviously, another major king. And then this, what is this, some kind of boss gloom water? Yeah. Yep. Man, this is like the Winchester house. None of this makes any sense. Yeah. You ever hear you, you know, the yeah, Winchester house, right? I don't know the Winchester house. Winchester house was a mansion that was owned by the Winchester family, the people who invented the famous guns, right? Um, well, after the after the patriarch died, the, his widow um, was... Uh, suffered from depression and paranoia went to see a medium who told her that the spirits of everyone killed by the guns invented by her family were angry with her and oh, so she decided to build a house that was basically a ghost trap there were stairways going to nowhere doors that went nowhere hallways that didn't make sense so the whole idea was meant to be nonsensical and just sort of you know alice in wonderland kind of architecture that didn't make sense crazy but the idea of it being, you know, it would trap ghosts in there, so they couldn't get it. Now, here, this is where the big fight happens, right? Yes, with um, Radagast. Yes. This is after he's done picking up all the little bunnies and driving you nuts. Yes. Oh, look, a turtle. I must stop and help the turtle. Stop, the trees are killing me, man. <laughs> yeah, it's not obvious to me what the sort of function of all this is. Ah, wrong flags. There's the hillmen, but they don't have the flags. You're right. What do they have? Instead, they have... Crowns? Oh, Rudar's trees. Rudar's trees, right. Uh-huh. In color, so that you can see that the ground underneath it is soaked with blood. Yeah, which is yeah. super cool. And it's the shield is quartered with it. This, but see here, so this doesn't look like the. Um, this doesn't, doesn't look, look like, like Hellman. The Hellman either. This doesn't look like the ones in Algar. This is it's, descendants of Rudar trying to stake their claim. Right, but notice. So remember what we were observing when we were in Angmar. Um, and that is that the Hillman culture that was attempting to assert itself has been re-suppressed, right? Re 
has been overwhelmed again by yeah. the new by the the rise of the new Angmar, right? Conscripted. Exactly. Notice how uh, new, right? These uh, banners are. These are mint yeah. condition. These banners, right? Mint in box. Yeah, yeah. like they have just uh, they have just been like issued. Presumably, <laughs> these are not their native, like their normal clan banners. Right. Ah, these are probably replacing re- their clan banners. Uniting them. What's the name of these hillmen? What's the title they have over their heads before we kill them? Is it them? the Kreoth? Is that, is that what these K- guys are? Kreoth, yes, Kreoth. Yeah, that's what I seem to remember from the olden days. I'm noticing it from the here. from the kill dialogue. <laughs> right. Thank okay. you, Dmay. Okay, we are. Um, uh, yeah, it's getting late. It is getting late. I should stop before we go too too much deeper. We'll go a little bit. We'll continue exploring the and hopefully not get distracted by the terrain map um, <laughs> next time. But um, yeah, so we'll we'll keep uh, we'll keep we'll keep going. We'll, we'll finish it up, and we may uh, I may even try to get into some of the instances uh, in here so that we can take a peek around. Um, we won't be able yeah. to finish the you know we won't necessarily do all the instances and finish them, but I'd kind of like to go in and wander about. Um, so again, uh, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, cause it's time for some, it's, I wasn't doing archeology span then, you know, now we're doing archeology. So. <laughs> you were just a wee baby tapestrist. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, so we're going to say good night here. Thanks everybody uh, for joining us. Um, uh, and we'll be back next week as usual. I, I always make that same face when I'm like, wait, this is me trying to remember if what I'm saying is correct. Yes, I will be here <laughs> next week again um, at the usual time. So I look forward to seeing you guys. And don't forget, Webathon this coming Saturday, starting at oh. noon Eastern time on the Twitch channel, or you can uh, log in through GoToWebinar as well if you like. Um, and uh, that'll be a lot of fun. So uh, thanks, everybody. And also, don't forget, L.A. Moot and Magnolia Moot coming up soon. So if you live anywhere near Charlotte, North Carolina, or Los Angeles, please do come join us at one of those two moots, because you'll be glad you did. So thanks, everybody. Have a good night. See you guys soon. Bye. Thanks for joining me on this epic exploration of The Lord of the Rings and of Standing Stone's video adaptation of Tolkien's story. If you are having even half the fun I'm having on this journey, I hope you will consider supporting the project by donating at signumuniversity.org fund.